0: Hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey Podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I am super excited to be here with Alphonse Fagiolo and Amanda Ridding who are here with me today. I uh, am going to say a little bit about how this came to be. Hello to Amanda and Alphonse. Thank you for coming.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. And uh, give me a second to make sure Rockfin is running. Actually, it looks like it did it all by itself. I don't know why that happened. Oh, no, it's not. Okay, so we're going live on Rockfin, and while people are coming on, I'm going to share a link in the chat for anyone who wants to jump over there. You are most welcome. We've got lots of pe- excited people here already. All right, there's the Rockfin link right in the chat. If you don't see it, hello to everybody over there already. And uh, yes, a couple of legends here. Exactly, Chidasan. I haven't yeah, know about me, but maybe Alphonse. <laughs> no, <laughs> far from that. <laughs> I know you never call your. That's one. That's one rule. Never call yourself a legend, right? No. That that just doesn't go over. It's not. It's not right. But other people can call you that, because that's their experience. You can't. You can't necessarily argue with that. Hello, Terry. Nice Hi, Terry. to see you. T Post is here. Uh, I've got a little bit of feedback on your mic, Amanda. If uh, if you're able to mute while you're not talking, I think that might be you. <laughs> and, Probably. Give me okay, second. welcome to dime bar and uh, thanks anton yes please do hit the i often don't beg for subscription and uh likes but this is so intensely suppressed i'm i'm knowing that i'm hearing that people are getting unsubscribed <clears throat> we're, we're definitely being shadow banned here so it will help if you feel like show uh sharing it out with us hello mike hello naomi just getting people in the room right now You're excited. That's awesome. Oh, there's some weird thing. I got a weird thing. Darn it. And you just shared the link. Thank you so much, Nashton81. I appreciate that. And uh, so there's still a little bit of feedback. Maybe what we could do is when we're not speaking, just in case this is, uh, I don't think it's my, issue. Oh, this might help. Uh Aha. Okay. I got it there no it's still it's still echoing so maybe just between times when you're speaking if you can mute yourself Alphonse and uh, Amanda, sorry to make you do that. There we go. good okay, okay, awesome. Great, so let's get started. I would like to introduce these guys um, Alphonse, I just want to say you are um, you you defy introduction and i i don't have a bio from you so i know you have a a history in music and being creative helping people to create things and then when things started to go sideways in the world more so to a a next level you began to champion you had a situation in your own life where um, you know you needed to take action and go deeper and started to really study get your get your uh, bearings in law and that's very typical when you learn to overcome your own problems, you automatically want to help others do that. There's something about that. And I've seen you do nothing but that tirelessly, people pouring into your groups and day after day, assisting them in legal matters. And that's super good. Uh, Amanda, I've had the pleasure of meeting in this past year. She is with Stanford, a warrior here in Canada. And uh, I'll just say a little bit about her. She started educating herself in law because she didn't like the way people being, were being constantly railroaded for minor, minor things. And uh, at the same time, criminals were basically not being pursued at all. And so she started trying to learn more and uh, became the victim herself of frivolous charges subjected her to fines and that's when she began to push harder and turn around and the same thing to help others right this is an, an amazing natural thing that takes place it's part of god's order it's not enough to just help yourself because amanda you could just be sitting on the beach and, and doing your stuff for yourself but here you are with us instead so that's really great uh, amanda is a huge fan of the canadian bill of Rights to the charter, which is bunk-
1: stone from- I told and you that- it existed. I told you it existed. You told me it didn't exist anymore. The Canadian that- Bill of Rights, did I? Yeah. Okay, I take it back. Oh, it I doesn't take exist it, back. No more. it was never ratified.
0: Uh, uh-huh. No, I think we were talking constitution in that well, in that's that, that your case. Bill that's, your,
1: that's your constitution. That's your bill of rights
0: yeah so that that would be a good place to to start talking and get some clarification because for those of us in the law audience the alternative law audience, there has been a lot of confusion and a lot of it hinges on the differences between Canada and the u s Some of the principles are the same the you know the inner work the mindset that you have to do is obviously the same, but we have some nuances here and Amanda's been able to really help us and uh and make those distinctions so I'm hoping you know among all of the conversation that's going to happen today that we'll get to the bottom of that exactly what is the difference between the US and Canada. No doubt Amanda and Alphonse are going to learn stuff about each other's work as well, and, and my secret hidden agenda that's not going to be hidden anymore is for these two to collaborate. For you guys to get together and because you're of like minds rather than you know we're not here for a debate or to compare anything or talk about the birth certificate necessarily although to tell you the truth it might not be a a bad thing for you guys to discuss why you're not pursuing that side of the law as well and uh, so thank you so much for being here it's really a pleasure for me again bear with me if I have any technical issues because I'm on a a new little uh, rocket ship here So where would you guys like to begin? Is there anything that you'd like to start with by way of introduction, maybe something that wasn't said?
1: Yeah, can we, one thing i like to get, it's the same thing in Canada, it's the same thing here. Let's get real quickly definitions clear because there's a lot of uh, confusion on person, individual, uh, citizen, resident, okay? Uh, Listen, a person, and I'll show it to you, in Pennsylvania law, it's throughout there, and I, I know it's the same in Canada. This is all done from the English law system. Your law system came from the English law system. Our system came from it too. So they're very similar. A person is a legal entity. It means it's a registered business with, the, with a state, okay? It's a registered entity. And if you read the actual definitions, even in my little local township here, they give you a bunch of definitions. These are all corporate entities they're talking about. And it says, we're other legal entities, which means everything before it, is a legal entity, okay? Now, here's what gets people confused. So that's what a person is. It's a legal entity. They'll see the term individual, and they'll think that must be me. Well, an individual, when you actually look at it in Bouvier or uh, Black's Law Dictionary, it's a single person. That's the plumber, Joe the plumber, who goes to the state and registers his business. Joe the plumber is an individual. He's not McDonald's Corporation. or He's not Taco Bell Corporation. So when I sue the county here, I'm going to sue them. You sue them as a person. Or if I sue my township, they're a person. So if I sue Joe plumber, he's also a person, but he's also an individual because he's one. He's not many. Um, so that's the main thing. I think that confuses a lot of people. They see individual. They see a, a, a you know, citizen or resident. And there, there's a great little sighting I found in Pennsylvania where it actually talks about the state controls what it creates, and that whatever the state creates is a creature of the state. And it how And when it becomes a creature of the state, it gets a taxable CITUS, situs, s i t u s, and that's how they're taxing our properties. Is they're basically falsifying their tax rolls and putting our properties on their ad valorem commercial tax rolls. So I just want to get that language out. A person is a, a legal entity. That's why if they met every man or woman in Canada or here, they say every man or woman. They don't do that. They say person or they'll say individual. And that's done as a deception because people see individual and they'll say, that must be me. I'm an individual. No, you're not. You don't have a registered business with the state. You're not an individual. So just want to clear that so we can get a a basic framework.
0: Yeah. Amanda, would you like to speak to that as well? And I'm so curious. uh, It was... Glenn Jay, I believe, just, I know Carolyn said that uh, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons, and there's been some debate around that, like, did, did did God foresee this this more corporate entity that Alphonse is talking about and and prepared us for that, or is there some other meaning? I don't know if either of you want to talk about that, but it's a question for me regardless.
2: No, I, I think you've heard me speak before, Beth. Um, I pretty much uh, resonate what Alphonse says, because I explain to people that, you know, when, when you're talking about a person, I'm a person, but so is Tim Hortons, so is McDonald's. You need to understand it is a legal entity and don't call it a corporate fiction. It's not a fiction, it is a real entity. It's your legal entity and what you do with your legal entity is up to you. But if you learn the rules and the procedures that are in your communities, whether it be municipal, uh, provincial, or federal jurisdiction, then you can use those rules to defend your legal person but if you kind of call it a fiction you're already throwing yourself under the bus
0: and why is that
2: because you're not you're not acknowledging and or taking responsibility alfonso thinks he's trying to speak but he's on mute
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry you guys there will be there's feedback on if you had a headset that would that would solve it but uh The um, Yeah, you'll have to mute between comments and and take control of that. Otherwise, I'll mute you.
1: (laughs) It's the law of sets. You you can't have uh, all these like things in a set, a person definition, and then have a man, okay? Because persons that are registered entities with the state are creatures of the state. They're created under the state. The business exists because it's registered with the state, okay? The rights for a corporation come from its charter, OK, that's where that's where or the the uh, the Pennsylvania the, the Assembly or the the, uh, the Senate grant rights to agencies. You and I get our rights from our creator, whatever you want to call that, a God or, or nature, whatever however you want to perceive it. We have natural rights. Legal entities have granted rights. They have privileges, basically. So we can't exist in a set. So when you see person and it says individual, you know, but that can't be you. That's like putting you in a set with Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. You can't have Alphonse Fajola, Amanda Ridding, and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. You, you can't do that. We are different entities. So uh, you, when you read your charters or, or your laws, you're going to see person used constantly, or you'll see citizen or resident. These are all legal entities that are created, residents and, and citizens it's funny there's there's a citing in pencil in the uh, American jurisprudence for for the US that it states citizen of the United States is not the same as a citizen resident or inhabitant of a municipality they're they're separate things but you and I and Amanda you're being controlled by these municipalities now you have provinces instead of states right you have provinces do you live in a city also in that province that's another sub municipality just like here I live in Aston, which is in Pennsylvania. The municipalities are your problem, okay? And what they're doing is they're treating you as what's called an inhabitant. And this just comes right out of American jurisprudence. An and inhabitant is a member of their corporation. So Beth and Amanda, they're treating you as a member of their corporation. This is why when you go to court, you think you're in a judicial court where you have a jury. You know, No, 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 no. You're in McDonald's court. Like I said, you didn't wear the brown pants, the uniform, and they're bringing you in to fine you. This is why you your constitutional rights seem to go away. Like they're not even in existence. Because when you're brought before the McDonald's board for not wearing your uniform, you're not talking about the Constitution. You're talking about you broke their codes and ordinances. Well, ordinances and resolutions, which these municipalities rule under, are not laws. They're not laws in Canada, and they're not laws in the U.S., But they have you and everyone else duped into believing that when these municipalities make these ordinances and resolutions, that they are laws that you and I are responsible for. And this is the challenge of this stuff. You have to knock that whole thing out to show that, no, I'm not responsible for your ordinances and your resolutions. And this is why I, I seen when you did your interview with Amanda, thank God. I don't have another patriot mythologist on here talking about the birth certificate and I'm the beneficiary of the trust. No, you don't, you don't win that way. The laws, you, I know you have good laws too. You're just not using them right. And it's good to see someone like Amanda start to pop up and start to implement this stuff because this stuff's powerful. They don't want you to know how this works. So when people like Amanda pop up and they start saying, Hey, I figured some stuff out here. We do, We have these Bill of Rights thing here. You just have to invoke them, and if you don't invoke them, here's what happens. If you don't invoke your Bill of Rights in Canada, guess what they're treating you as, Beth? They're treating you as an inhabitant of that municipal corporation. You're a member gonna, of the corporation. <laughs> I'm going to interject for one go second
2: because, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to say Jane would want me to correct you on that one, Alphonse. In Canada, we don't invoke the Bill of Rights. Why? because it's an act of recognition and protection. We don't have to invoke it. It's already recognized and protected. All we have to do is cite it and remind them.
1: Uh, No, That's that's, that's dead on, okay? I say invoke because if you walk into these little municipal kangaroo courts and you ain't speaking up about no constitutional rights or, or asserting them, let's say that, you have to assert your rights, okay? They can never be taken from you. And you can never give them away. You've got to assert them. There's too many people walking into these little hearings thinking that they're, the judge is magically going to use these rights for them. Even though they swore oaths to basically uphold the, your constitutions like they did here. No, 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 no. They're working for the municipalities, okay? They're, they're like in the pocket of that municipality. And you got to step in and throw a monkey wrench into their little proceeding and go, hey, guess what? I'm going to take your administrative hearing, and I'm going to flip it into a judicial process by filing a simple motion into this matter. Because there are no motions in their administrative statutes they have. But when I file that motion, Beth, guess what? They don't tell me, Mr. Faggio, you can't file that motion here. You're not allowed to. That attorney jumps to attention, and he answers that motion within his 20 days. Because if you don't, I'm going to get a default judgment against him. Now, when he answers that that motion, now I call the court administrator and say, I'm going to need a motions hearing from you. We need to talk about how you people did this. So now I've taken an administrative process and I flipped it on its head into a judicial process. I took him in a direction he never wanted to go. Now they have a lot of trouble. And she could do the same thing with the stuff she's doing over over there. Does that apply here, Amanda, to, to flip it from the
0: administrative to judicial?
1: Here we go.
2: I, I don't know that I, I think of it. I'm not sure it's not the same thing that Alphonse is doing. I use and I do use legal terminology, but that's not the way I think about it. Um, what I do like to do, and I just sent it in the private chat, um, Beth, uh, and, that, and that is specifically for Ontario. You can use the Regulation 184, which is a rules of procedure that falls under the Courts of Justice Act, which is again for Ontario. And these exist for every every province in Canada. You start using those, um, you know. And I, I'll be honest, I probably haven't been in this as much as I should be because Steve, in our private Zoom meeting, brought to my attention something in that that I never knew before. But do I, do I use the rules to create motions and or to do um um you know to to arrange a conditional acceptance in order to prevent the trial in order to turn it on its head 100 uh and um you know i I actually have a a friend who was in court literally an hour ago and when i when i was trying to get in i was on the phone with her um and when she went into court today she had done a couple of things she she is only just learning this stuff. So she quickly threw together an affidavit last week with not really sufficient time to disturb it, but she did it anyway. And with the affidavit, she asserted her Bill, uh, she asserted her hum- recognized and protected human rights uh, and fundamental freedoms with the Bill of Rights. And in order to maintain them, she put together her case and um, she submitted it. And that was at the end of last week. Um, then she turned around and, I, and I'm not going to lie. She also did a conditional acceptance in it. And then she turned around on Monday morning and she filed um, an, a request to admit, which is under Rule 51.01 of, um, of the uh, Rules of Procedure. So she was in court today and... Um, uh, you know, she wasn't sure what she was going to do because she's still learning this stuff. Long story short, they have adjourned the meeting. I said, well, that's perfect because they have 20 days to respond to the request to admit. And if they fail to admit the request to admit, which has been properly filed with with the, uh, the agent who gave her the ticket, the prosecutor and the um, court, uh, then she can just go ahead and acknowledge that failure to, because she's, they've received this notice, failure to admit is, in fact, an admission of the facts then she can file a notice of motion to dismiss because they don't have the facts of the case to to support it. So that's what she's working towards right now. But what was very interesting is the prosecutor um, and a lot of the prosecutors in, in our municipality, and I don't know who she had today, but a lot of them have a tendency to be paralegals. They're not even lawyers. So they may have been taught administrative law, but they haven't been taught law. So the, the apparently the paralegal was normally aggressive and snarky, but he was also laughing at her because what is this notice to admit? Ha 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 ha. And she's like, Really? <laughs> Read it. Rule 51.01. <laughs> but clearly it's gone over his head because they don't even know the rules, because they, like us, have all been taught to use the system in a specific way which is designed for failure. And the and the sooner that people actually start reading the legislation that they're using against us to find the holes in that legislation to Um, that you can turn it on its side until people start going through the rules of civil procedure and reading things like the court's justice act to see what they are and are not allowed to do. Then there's no way you're going to be able to mount a defense Um, because again, you're just going to follow the training and that's all they're doing. They're just following their training and they're all working for their employer who's the beneficiary. So
1: can I make one suggestion? You did everything right, except I would do one thing different than what you did. So your affidavit, turn it into a motion, okay? Take the same points you would have in your affidavit, put it in a motion, put a jurat in there saying under penalty of perjury I swear everything here is true, and submit it. Because when you submit it as a motion, that attorney now has to give you an answer. They don't have to answer an affidavit, believe it or not. They could just let an affidavit sit there, okay? But if you take that affidavit and you put it in a motion, motions move courts, okay? In other words, somebody's got to do something when I file that motion in there. So it could be the same exact thing you have on your motion, but you just put it in a form of, an, I mean, in your affidavit. You put it in a form of a motion, put a jurat in there basically saying, under penalty of perjury, I swear everything on here is true. Now send it to an attorney, let them answer it. Now let them rebut your affidavit, basically.
2: So in the past what I would do is serve the affidavit, then file a motion. So I do actually do that maybe not simultaneously. I give them a chance to receive it, chew on it, digest it, and then I serve the motion. But what this notice uh, this request to admit um, does uh, and it would be followed up by the motion is it actually forces them to res- like it forces them to respond in writing. And under the and one of the rules, one of the things that I've been reading, of course, is the Evidence Act. And under the Evidence Act, any document produced by them must be a true copy. And a true copy under the Evidence Act is, of course, under affidavit. For them to respond, they must respond under affidavit to make it a true copy. Hence, I submit my evidence under true copy. They have to respond in true copy. The notice to re, uh, the request to admit gives them twenty days to respond forces them to respond and then when they fail to respond then you file a motion to say um sorry i'm allowed to swear <laughs> shut the fuck up motherfucker get out of here
0: <laughs> <laughs> no you're good you're good we don't have a, a children's show going on here so yep no no problem there, there are other buzzwords you guys should know about like if we talk about the pandemic and all that kind of thing to keep that on the, j- the jabby jab or poison injection or all that kind of thing just yeah, yeah. go ahead but go ahead swear away but-
2: so I, I, I do actually do the motion, Alphonse, I, and this, this request to admit that I've discovered thanks to a guy named Steve out out west um, has just added another tool to my arsenal. Um, I just may take slightly different steps from you, but they do get taken.
1: What you're doing is, I mean, th- when you're doing your request to admit, do you have the lawsuit going on already or is this pre-lawsuit you're doing this? Uh,
2: specifically... Specifically, this here was uh, done for a ticket that this person received. Um, so it was an
1: ongoing matter that they, they actually created a matter. Okay. Now, here's what, you're, here's what Steve just showed you, basically. Here, I'm going to give you some more tools for your arsenal, okay? Listen, you have discovery tools, five discovery tools. Soon as there is, here's what they don't want you to know. When a matter happens, okay, even though it's an administrative process, they don't want you to know anything about discovery. I've thrown discovery requests into administrative processes. It drives them crazy. They've never seen this before. They're not used to the monkeys using it. In, uh, and here's what you're using. You have five five tools available. Number one, you got it. Request for admissions. Yes or no? <laughs> Am I entitled to due process of law? Yes or no? You know, uh, uh, you know uh, do I have a right to uh, trial by jury? You know, these are all admissions questions. They got to give you a yes, no answer. So that's your admissions right there. But then you also have a second tool. After you're done with that, take their admissions and go do interrogatories where you can ask them full sentences. (laughs) Hey, explain how you did this. How can I have a right to own property under Pennsylvania Constitution, but you're now taxing the right to own the property? Explain how you're doing that. These are your interrogatories, okay? And then you have a third tool called request for production. Hey, give me that document. Hey, give me this document. I'm going to need, I'm going to need that. It's a ticket. It's a criminal matter. It's supposed to be supported by, a, it's called an affidavit of probable cause. Over here it is. Any kind of criminal matter, the cop has to has to file an affidavit of probable cause. Explain what the crime was. There's your third tool, request for production. Your fourth, and they hate this, depositions, okay? You could depose these people. And the attorney can be there. But the attorney can't answer the questions for them. So now the the, the attorney can only step in and say, Mr. Fadjo, you can't go down that line or you can't do this. He can't answer the questions for him. So when I say, hey, Mr. Vanzel's property assessor, how the hell did my property get on your assessment roll? And when John told me, you know what he told me in a private meeting? I don't know. It was like that when I got here. Well, if you want to give me an answer like that, how many zeros would you like me to put on the end of my check here when I sue you? Because you don't know what you're doing in your job. You don't know how my property got on your roll, and yet you're just doing things. So that's your request for, uh, 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 that's your depositions. And then if they don't want to give you what you need, you can go to the judge and tell them, I'm going to need you to subpoena this witness, or I'm going to need you to, 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 to compel these people to turn these documents over. Do that even with a simple simple traffic ticket. You'll drive them nuts. They're not used to seeing this, so that's why you're having success with that request for production. Now build on it. You have the other four tools. Start throwing at them like paper cuts. Boom, it drives them nuts. Um, and I'm I'm not
2: going to go into it too much here, Alphonse. Beth knows why. I won't. But and I and we can have this conversation off off the record because this is being broadcast. But again without going into too much detail the way i set everything up it actually has the request for productions built in which then falls under the request to admit because i've already asked for those productions so um yeah i mean i could, again i i do some steps differently but it sounds like you and i pretty much still hit the nails on the head in a lot of those ways
0: Yeah, I was curious because what I've seen over the months that have gone by now and looking into a lot of different approaches to to the law is that it's actually creative. And there's something even more powerful, of course, and I know you guys know this, and probably everybody here knows this, or maybe they don't, but picking up templates and, you know, following to the, like, just filling in the blanks on documents has limited effect because it doesn't hold your heart, your soul, your intention, the work you've done, what you've been through. And your creative way through it. So, would you guys agree with that? That there is there is no one right way, even though the rules of civil procedure or whatever it is are so specific? Go I'm going to me. disagree. There
1: is one right way. Now, we may okay. listen. It's like I leave it this way. Uh, it's like me and Amanda play guitar. Okay. I, I have a different style playing guitar, but we're still playing the same instrument. Okay. We're still using the same basic legal system. Hers might work a little different than mine, but. I might play, you know, I might be a shredder, and she may be real soulful. We're still playing the guitar, okay? We're not inventing new instruments. We're, we're not saying, hey, we got this whole new process, and here's what we're going to do. And here's the powerful stuff. It is creative in this way, Beth. How would you like to get the property assessor who created tax certificates on your house and sold your property using tax certificates? How would you like to get him in, in a deposition and say, Mr. Van Zels? Do I have a right to own property? Yes. Okay. Do I have a right to due process? Yes. Mr. Zelst, can anybody take property without due process of law? No. Mr. Vanzelst, how did you create tax certificates and sell my house? Because Article 1, Section 9 and 10 and 11 of the Pennsylvania Constitution say you can't take property without due process, which means a hearing of some sort but that's not what they're doing. So when you do these processes, like you said, to me, that's creative. It's, it's, it, how, how can I write gotcha questions, whether they're admissions, interrogatories, or requests for production? How can I make this person look like a fool before we ever get to court so that they won't wanna to go to court with me? Because to me, like Amanda will start figuring out, she hasn't already, Discoveries where cases go to die, okay? In other words, hey, when I file against them, When they see the discovery request coming in, they're going to figure out there's no way we can go to court and argue with this guy. Because if we lose against this guy, everybody in the county is going to follow his suit. Now we're done. Call him up, have a little meeting with him, and let's see how we can make this go away. So to me, discovery is one of the most important things that you can do. And we don't do it, Beth. No one ever taught you how to do it. No one ever taught me until I, I start taking this stuff. Who ever thought of doing discovery in a traffic ticket? No, you're, you're taught to what, to show up and they wants you to plead guilty or not guilty. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's, do, let's have a little fun. Let's do a motion to get the thing out of there. Because they don't have jurisdiction in the matter. We can go over jurisdiction too. But if we're going to have a little trial here, let's have some fun. Let's start doing just some discovery and find out what we can get these people to say. Do you want to respond, Amanda?
2: Um, no, he's right. And I like—I had someone who, again, has only just jumped on the trying to learn the law bandwagon, and they had court last week. And um, one of my first questions for that person was, have you yet requested discoveries? And they said, no. And I said, well, you know, you're sitting here freaking out because you're just starting to learn this stuff. You don't feel comfortable enough in in the language. So when you go into court tomorrow... I said, just announced that you only just realized you had the right to request discoveries and request discoveries and get an adjournment. That person walked into court and said exactly that. And the judge said, there are no discoveries. The ticket is all you get and then proceeded to railroad her. So the decision has not been made yet. She was using the Canadian Bill of Rights as well as the Quebec charter of rights and freedoms which is um, actually very similar to the Bill of Rights but it's a provincial legislation and he refused to give an answer at that day where he was giving everyone else answers. So I'm cautiously optimistic that he's just, you know, going to quietly acquit her, <laughs> I'm hoping. But if not, she's already got grounds for an appeal because she requested discoveries on the record and she was denied discoveries and was told there were no discoveries, the ticket was it. Well, here's the thing in Canada. If they write a ticket, they have to write notes to the ticket. Cause when they're writing hundred tickets a day, there's no freaking way they can keep track of who said what and did what and where and when. So they're supposed to write notes after every ticket.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit, since this is coming up, about tickets? Because we, there's this overwhelming uh, perception that, that the ticket is a contract, an offer to contract. Or, or, yes, yeah, so you're both shaking your head. Yeah, yeah go ahead and, and uh, discuss that if, if you can. Alfonso, you ready to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, I, I, basic elements of a contract. Offer, acceptance, consideration. I give you something of value, you give me something of value. Meeting in a minds, so we both know what we're agreeing on, and generally it requires a signature of both parties. That would be a standard element of a contract. That guy, the guy with the gun that pulls you on the side of the road, uh, That's he's not contracting with you, okay? that's There's no elements of a contract involved in there, okay? Uh, basically what that is, and I'm sure Canada's the same, is they're charging you under the transportation code. And what the transportation code is, that's written for commercial drivers. That's written for people that Uber drivers or uh, FedEx drivers, UPS drivers, okay? That's what that code was originally written for, not for me and you. But they've got us all believing that we're all commercial drivers, okay? So that's always a challenge even over here. I mean, uh, uh, Steve doesn't have a license, uh, 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 Steve Emerson, but he leaves the plate on the car. Uh, My license has been expired. I leave the plate on the car. Why? Because I don't want to be a target for road pirates, I don't want to put something on there that's going to say, hey, look, I stick out like a sore thumb. Come pull me over, okay? He pulls me over, great. Give me the citation. I'll deal with it later. I'll knock it out in paper. I'm not worried about that. My goal with this stuff, with the traffic stuff, is don't argue on the side of the road with the guy with the gun, okay? Take the citation and go home safely. And then you can do it on paper because too many people want to litigate it on the side of the road with a, guy, with a five-year-old with a gun, okay? You're arguing with a five-year-old with a gun. You're not going to win this matter, okay? Just take it and get out of here. But it's not a contract in, in any way, shape, or form. It's, a, it's basically it, it, it's, a, it's, something that was only done for when they started developing. We started going from horses to commercial driving, okay? Like There were big trucks tearing the roads up, okay, and different different things like that. And The trucks weren't safe. And on the road with horses and buggies and stuff, so they figured we better regulate this stuff for commerce, okay, these commercial drivers. And over the years, they've just conflated the two. You and I traveling, you know, normally and commercial driving, they've conflated the two so that we're all commercial drivers. Now, there, there's no right way of, that I know of, to get off that list. Here's what it usually takes. Getting a ticket, taking that 140-hour traffic ticket, turning it into about six uh, bar grievances, Three judicial complaints, state criminal complaints, and then soon them in federal district court so that by the time they get done with that 143 hour traffic ticket, Jesus, the, the judge had to get an attorney. The attorney had it. The, the prosecutor had to get an attorney. They're not going to want to do this again. We're going to do this one time with each other. Then the next time it comes up, they're going to go, that guy, don't bring him in my court. I know exactly what the hell he's going to do. And I can't stop them. They can't stop me from filing judicial complaints, bar grievances, state criminal complaints, and then suing them. They have no control over that. So if I do that once, right, I'm never going to have a problem driving around here ever, ever again. Once that happens, that process, I'm going to be on a little list. When my name comes up, when they run my plate, they're going to go, leave that guy alone, okay? Don't mess with him. He's a nightmare. So that's the only way I know of getting off the driving role, basically, that, that I'm aware of.
0: Anything to add, Amanda?
2: Um, Again, I I do things a little bit differently. I do maintain a registration for my car because I want insurance, because I want that liability coverage. Um, And having said that, I do periodically drive commercially because I will drive clients around in my car. Therefore, I must have insurance on my car. So I do have to do things a little bit differently. But having said that, using... um, through my own ways, not, I don't act like, I'll go for discoveries that I will ask for. I don't, I've never done a request for productions and I actually have to see if I can even find it and because it's never occurred to me to do do it in a separate step, but I've always done it in my sort of one step response process, which I would then follow up with motion. Um, So, but having said that, uh, you know, for years I would drive around, I, I don't have to have a valid plate I just have to have a plate. So I've let that registration expire several times, left it expired for years. And I can't tell you how many times I've had cops, because I've I've done this with the traffic courts, that when they come up behind me, you can see them running my plate. And then when the light turns, I go straight and they turn left or they'll turn right. Or if I'm turning, they'll go straight. They don't follow me. They let me go. <laughs> they leave me alone. Um, but, but and again, it's just, I, I, I think, Uh, Alphonse and I were hitting a lot of the same things, but we're not necessarily doing it 100% the same way, but we're still hitting the same things. Um, And also, I would call that ticket, I know it's a citation, but I expand that and, and actually will point out the fact that that ticket is a bill. And the bill is written under an authority. When you go into court, they read the charges under the record, and they bring up the police officer, and they say to the police officer, um, "Okay, so you wrote a ticket. Yes, I wrote a ticket under regulation. And under what authority were you acting? Okay, these are legal terms. What authority were you under? Act? I was acting under the Highway Traffic Act. So, so that authority is actually represents a contract. I don't jump straight to contract. I'm going to say that the authority is an implied agreement between the public and, and the government that you're going to do XYZ under the highway traffic act, but it's implied. And, um, uh, when you fail to perform under it, they're going to write you the bill. That's what the ticket is. It's kind of like hiring a drywaller to drywall your house. You write a contract and when the job is done, they write you a bill for, 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 for the performance under the contract. In this case, they write you the bill for the failure of performance. But it's the same concept. So then, you know, and so people need to understand it's the authority under which, at least in Canada, it's the authority under which they are acting. That is the contract and the ticket is a bill. And you need to make sure that you understand the difference here so you can speak to them properly when you pursue them in the courts.
1: Yeah, let's talk about I I don't think it's the same in Canada, but uh, that citation is neither a civil complaint or a criminal complaint. Doesn't meet the elements of either, either of those, okay? A traffic citation is not a civil complaint, and it's not a criminal complaint. They call it here a summary offense. What's a summary offense? That's McDonald's saying, I don't, I'm not wearing the brown uniform today. We're gonna fine you. You didn't wear the brown uniform today. Here's a summary offense. That violates all due process, basically. So, like over here in Pennsylvania, I'm sure you guys have the same. We have a right to trial by jury. They say it's inviolate, means permanent. So like, you can't have something that's a permanent right not apply in certain circumstances. Like traffic tickets. Hey, you've got this inviolate right, but accept this traffic ticket thing. We don't count it for that. We know we, we, we just brush it aside. Doesn't work like that, okay? So these are the things you throw up in your motions. You go, hey, wait a minute, I'm confused. Is this a civil or, because there are some states here in in the US, they treat traffic as civil. Like three or four of them treated as civil. Guess what? The other ones, the other 46 or 47, they treat it as criminal. Well, if we're gonna treat it as criminal, we got all kinds of problems happening here. Because now we get involved with, in any crime, whether it's in Canada or here, you need to have criminal intent. That's one of the key elements of any crime, criminal intent. This is the problem they had with these mask violations, okay? When you were getting kicked out of a store because you didn't wear the mask, and they wrote you the citation for not wearing the mask, well, if you go read American jurisprudence on what a what a, what a, uh, what a uh, trespass is, there's a couple of elements that they're not hitting that you don't know about. You must be the owner of the business that's trespassing the person. And the the, the statute can't criminalize the trespass. In other words, you have to be, some kind of criminal intent must be going on for you to have gotten trespassed. If you went shopping for food, okay, there's no criminal intent, you know, unless criminal intent against the vegetable you're about to eat, okay? I mean, I I don't know where they would get criminal intent here, okay? So here's the problem. When they wrote those, those, here's how we knocked a bunch of this. When they wrote those, it's usually the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania versus Alphonse Fagiola. Does the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania own Walmart or Target? No. So then they can't even bring the action. They're not the owner of the business. Number two, did I have any criminal intent when I was in the business shopping for food? No. I never entered the property with criminal intent. Entering the property with criminal intent. If the property was closed and I broke in, that would be criminal intent, okay? Or if I went into an open business and I start punching uh, shoppers, that would be criminal intent. So they don't have that element either. So they can't maintain a trespass. And that's 99.9% of the citations you see seen being written over here. And I'll bet you it's the same in Canada. If you look it up, you're probably gonna have very similar things. The only the owner can trespass you and you gotta have criminal intent. So these are the things I like when, when Manda does. Listen, there is remedy out there. We're telling you there's remedy out there. You're just not reading it right. You're not reading at all or you're not reading it properly. Okay. You just got to go read it. You don't have to go off doing these crazy birth certificate, secret trust things. It's there. If you execute it properly, just learn the basics, the elements of the basics and execute it.
2: So I'm going to expand on that because in Canada, under the bill of rights section two, I want to say it's section two E every, um, Every law in Canada cannot deprive a person charged with a criminal offense the right to be, uh, sorry, deprive a person of the right of a fair hearing in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice for the determination of his rights and obligations. Right there, and and I'm telling this because Alphonse is correct, but in Canada, if you have the rules and or uh, legislation and or statutes and or case law to support the argument, then it makes it even harder for them to go, no. OK, so you got that. But the other thing and I'm just going to give a quick history lesson here, when you're using law in Canada with as a common law country, common law is based on the customs and the rules of the land. It's also based on um, uh, the case precedent and the law is supposed to be predictable and um, um, consistent. So when you go into the case law, that is actually the law. Everything else is sort of rules and legislation because the law is made in the court when the decision is made and or the law is made between the two parties when an agreement is made. But having said that, when you're starting to pull out precedents, if you're pulling out precedents and you're in in province of Ontario, then you can use um, provincial case law, you can use federal case law, and you can even pull in case law from England because we are uh, part of the Commonwealth system. But if I pull in case law from a neighboring province that has only reached the, the provincial Supreme Court, you need to understand that that is not precedent, but it is persuasive. We can also pull in case law from the United States, but again, because they are not part of our Commonwealth country, it does not, it, it, it does, um, it, it's only persuasive, it's not precedence. So using that, I've already just pointed out to you in the Bill of Rights, but Jane the other day discovered as she was reading the Magna Carta, that we actually have it in the Magna Carta, that they have to give us trial by jury. If it's, if it's requested and demanded. So now we have both the Canadian Bill of Rights 1960 and the Magna Carta that both support our right to a jury trial.
1: Yeah, and these administrative courts, a lot of these administrative courts, there are no juries. The judge is the jury, okay? And listen, like around here, you go to these little traffic courts. They don't have juries. They can't see the jury be too much money. But this is how you knock out a traffic ticket. Hey, I'm going to need a trial here. You know, we're going to have to sit a jury. Well, we don't, we don't have juries. Well, and I must be in an improper venue. Because if you don't have a jury, this is an improper venue. You got to give this over to another court here. And we got to go through standard per, legal process then. Hey, man, I don't know I to ask you about. Uh, we, over here, the, the two main legal dictionaries are basically uh, American jurisprudence and corpus juris secundum. And we all use uh, uh, American jurisprudence. What's all, all American jurisprudence is like the great thing is I could sit down and read what constitutional law is, what a trespass is, anything you want to learn about, it'll teach you like by law. And the beautiful thing, the way they teach it is when they they, they they're they writing sentences, teaching it, but they're the sentences are actually coming from case law. So they'll actually have them superscript so that you could look up the act. The case law is right there after it. And here's the beautiful part, like Amanda said, when I say you can't do a trespass like this, they're gonna say we don't care what you say. That's your opinion. But when I pull up American jurisprudence and say, "Here's the look. Here's what here's what they said. <laughs> here's it was used in 20 cases here. Look, here's what they say. Now they can't ignore it. They have to. Uh, they have to acknowledge it." So I was gonna ask Amanda, "You guys, you got have to have something like that over there. The the, if we do the on legal argument, have to have something like that." If, if we do, I'm not aware that I always
2: go to the actual acts of legislation. I actually read how it's written um, when they charge me under an authority or someone else under an authority. Um, so that's one of the first things I do. And then I start searching case law and or the rules that may or may not affect it. The other thing that we might do and something Rebecca and I are doing next week is we're going to be he- heading in because we're discovering up here in Canada, a lot of stuff is getting scrubbed off the Internet okay we got case law that's getting scrubbed we have legislation that's getting scrubbed i mean it's not being revoked it's just disappearing so we're making a point now whenever we find something we're we're not just saving the link we're downloading and i'm telling everyone in canada right now who's listening to this if you find something that you think is is relevant and prevalent prevalent download it and if you think it's it's going to support one of the arguments that we're currently fighting here at stand for thee share it just send us a quick uh, summary um, on what it is you're sending us, send us the link. We'll, we'll do our best to take a look at it because a lot of the case, a lot of the case law we find, but a lot of the case law that we're starting to use now is because everyday people, they're searching those laws and then finding stuff and then sending it to us. And, and we're getting some real gems and we're getting some absolute real gems, but no, I don't have a book that we, in, in per se um, we, we use we just settle like we really do just use case law and and or the the, the laws uh, uh, sort of the, the legislation that's in effect um, in order to uh, create the authorities that we're using to support our arguments
1: next time you're around an attorney or you get a chance to meet an attorney and like in a I'm not talking like an adversarial point of view but but if you, if you happen to meet somebody that's attorney uh, a family friend or something. What's the main law library you guys use? What's a, like? Uh, you say like in America, I need to use like American jurisprudence. What do you guys use? What's your main legal uh, library use? I guarantee they have something.
2: A lot of our law, law libraries, you have to have a license to access them. Otherwise you got to buy the books yourselves. It's ridiculous. So Rebecca and I were heading in next week to a law library under Jane Scarf's um, license as uh, because apparently we can do it under someone else's license if we're doing research for that person for cases that they're working on. Um, and there's quite a few things that we intend to look for and copy in order to um, back up the arguments that we are creating. But yes, next time I, I, and I can even ask Jane that one, but to my knowledge, I mean, Jane's never made any reference and she's been practicing uh, law for well over 40 years. Does go. she have a
0: license? Is there a license to practice as a paralegal, by the way? This is a question I it's meant a, to ask.
2: Actually, I think the correct terminology is she's registered to okay. practice law. Okay. okay. I, don't, I I mean, that's a term that we quite often use in Canada where we always say, oh, you're licensed to practice medicine, you're licensed to practice uh, law, you're licensed to trade in real estate. But the reality is we're not licensed at all. We're registered mm. to do it.
0: Mm. Okay. That's different. I also had one question that, uh, you know, the the legal dictionaries that somebody posted all twenty seven versions of the Black's Law on our uh, Canadian Court Procedure Study Group, and that was good. And but it just starts to feel like, you know, is that actually useful? Is there is there the word game that you're finding is so prevalent where they're literally going to use a word and you don't know what the word means, and then then you go to jail <laughs> stuff.
1: About uh, you're we got some uh, different no. opinions. And this is just- One of the things I fight about is people think that a a word is going to give somebody jurisdiction or somebody hits the shift key on the keyboard and types their name in all cap letters and they suddenly have jurisdiction over them. That's not how jurisdiction works, okay? This is not how things work. So there's no boogeyman words out there. There's no, you know, oh, my God, I used the wrong word. I'm now their slave. No, it doesn't work like that. It all matters what's in your paperwork. And the two things I keep banging people's head. I don't care. You can call me slave in in the title. I don't care what you call me. Alphonse Fadjo, slave of Delaware County. Great. No, it matters what's in my paperwork and can I litigate it when we go to court. Doesn't matter what they call me. Doesn't matter how they spell my name. They can put it in 20 foot high lights with, with flares coming off there. It doesn't give them jurisdiction over me, okay? Doesn't matter what they do with my name. It matters what's in my paperwork and can I litigate it in court. If I could do those two things, I could be any attorney mm-hmm. a man is more dangerous than an attorney and so are you beth you and i and, and man can do more here's what happens certain things an attorney won't do for political reasons they have to work in this county okay so there's certain things that they're not going to pursue they're not going to start knocking traffic tickets out for you beth okay they're not going to get you off the local tax roll They do that, they're going to become a pariah, and they will take that bar card away from them in the blink of an eye. So there's certain things an attorney won't do for you. And listen, that attorney, when you get an attorney for a local matter or whatever, he might see that judge for the next 20 years of his life, okay, litigating. So he's going to be on eggshells with that judge. So he's not going to give you the proper defense that you need because he's not going to do certain things with that judge that you or I or Amanda will do. I'll go after that judge and I'll file stuff that an attorney would never file. I've given people documents that have attorneys that had court-appointed attorneys that would get the case knocked out. And he hands it to the attorney, and the attorney says, "I'm not filing that. <laughs> well, yeah. well, why won't you file it? Well, I'm not filing that because it's political suicide for him to file that. So you and I have the power. Once you learn how to use the jurisdictionary course and how to, how your, uh, your legal system works." You could do stuff an attorney can never do. And that's the fun part of this stuff is when you start to understand that you go, I'm going to have fun with this attorney. He don't he don't see me coming. He don't know what's coming his way right now. So that's to me, that's the creative part of it, too.
0: Am I correct in remembering? I don't know if this is and then I'll let you go, Amanda, uh, that uh, an attorney cannot actually file an affidavit.
2: An attorney can file an affidavit, but the attorney can't sign the affidavit on behalf of another party. The attorney can only only ever sign an affidavit that they personally are swearing to. So if an attorney, let's say I hired an attorney, which I probably never would do except to close a real estate deal. Um, If I hired an attorney and I said, um, John Doe hit my car uh and the attorney wrote an affidavit that says john doe wrote the car hit my car but then he signed it it's my statement but if the attorney signed it that attorney would be impeached or or um uh dismissed or thrown out because you can't nobody can swear on behalf of another any more than anyone can contract on behalf of another and nobody can bind anyone so a contract nobody can bind anyone on behalf of another and i just wanted to double back on the um the the dictionaries, because you saw me nodding, Beth, but the reason why I'm nodding is, and I agree with Alfonso, is what's in the paperwork that matters, and and people also need to understand it's the intent, as long as the intent of the paperwork is clear, if there's a misword, it's not the end of the world, but the dictionary is really important, whether it be a law dictionary or another type of dictionary, better yet, both. Um, it's really important because a lot of people don't understand that there's more than one meaning to a word. And when you are reading a, an act of legislation, for instance, you may not actually understand what the intent of the legislation is because you see a word and you have a common understanding of the word, but you need to understand that word is older than your common understanding. And if you take a look at the dictionary, you can see what the, through the etymology of the word, what some of the older definitions are. And from there, it'll give you a clearer perspective of the intent of that section of the legislation. So keeping a dictionary handy, I think is really, really important. Um, also, I saw someone, uh, and I'm just gonna backtrack here, cause I saw someone make a comment earlier also by, uh, about trespass being a secondary offense. And I just wanna speak to that, at least in the perspective of Ontario. The trespass Act falls under the Provincial Offenses Act. Okay, folks, I think it's under part three, which could be tied to criminal. But if they don't give you clear notice, um, if a you don't have criminal attend attached and they don't notify you of a criminal charge at the time you're charged with trespass, then they can't pull in the criminal. And I literally just had this conversation with Jane two days ago. But under part three, like you need to understand Provincial Offences Act. You're still in civil, folks. It's not a secondary offense. It's civil in Ontario. And yes, there's a chance for it to be attached to a summary offense under the Criminal Code of Canada, but it has to be done at the time of, of the charge. If they do it six months later, when you actually have your, have your trial, if you ever go that far, then, then they violated section, uh, well, they violated the Bill of Rights and they violated, uh, um, uh, I have to take a look because I don't know section two as well as I know section one. Gosh, I know section one, like the back of my hand, but it's under section 2C1 the right to be informed properly of the reason for your arrest or detention. So even though you're not necessarily being arrested, you still have the right to be known, to know promptly of your of, of the reason you're being charged. So if they want to make trespass a criminal, they have to let you know at the same time they do the trespass. And then the other thing is Alphonse is 100% correct. Only the owner or the agent of the owner who has the authorization to act on behalf of the owner has the right to trespass um, an individual. And if anyone goes onto my Facebook page and they take a look at January 30th, they're gonna see that Rebecca Shepherd and I were on our way home from Ottawa uh, for just to go get supplies and stuff before heading back to Ottawa. And we stopped at an en route in Mallory town and three police officers who work on duty as public officers trespassed us. They wouldn't let us into the uh, en route unless we put on masks. And of course, we refused to put on masks, so they were not just they, they weren't even properly trespassing us. They were discriminately trespassing us. I videotaped the whole thing, and I—and I've been so busy. I've only got it half done, but we, Rebecca and I, we're going to be suing those guys uh, for tort <laughs> uh, in small claims court. So that I—so we call them Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> There's three of them, so we're going to sue three individuals each. So three individuals each times two is six lawsuits, $105 each in the small claims court. And we're going to, and I don't know about you Afon's, but when I go to small claims court, I like to bundle it up. I'll do my plaintiff's claim. I'll put my statement of claim. Or I, I create my invoice I, with my description. I always very careful to make sure that the terms are there. So the terms are net 30 days, 2% per month, 26.82% per annum. That's really important folks. If you want to collect that interest on your small claims Uh, Should you have trouble getting the money? I'll put in my statement of events. I'll put in my authorities and all my evidence to back it all up. And then I wrap it up in a nice, pretty affidavit. And my affidavit will actually say in the body of the affidavit, all the attachments are to form part of the affidavit. Nice and tightly bound up. And then I file it. And then I serve it on a platter. (laughs)
0: I love it. Aren't these guys, uh, maybe separated at birth or something? There's some, there's some kind of resonance and Alphonse, am I misquoting you by saying when you heard Amanda talk, you, you actually felt like it was you talking in a woman's body?
1: Well, I didn't say that.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. She, she a Canadian, well, she's the Canadian version of what we do basically. Okay. She's there you go. Canadian okay. version, you know, <laughs> I don't want to insult her like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, like I said, this, this stuff does work. I mean, uh, Steve knew people in Canada having a lot of success, but they were doing the standard legal process way. They weren't doing this crazy trust birth certificate stuff. They were doing standard legal process. And here's another thing that that puts, like Amanda said, they're scrubbing the internet, okay? They're scrubbing case law, whatever. Well, guess what? When Steve got that $38.2 million settlement and got the house back and got the meters taken off the house that they took for property taxes, they signed a non-disclosure agreement. You will not find that case anywhere on Pacer. You know, get it at the federal website. You won't find that case anywhere. So a lot of successes that are happening in Canada, people might be, might be having other people, you probably are not going to find. You're not going to see, okay? So you may not know what other successes people are having. When Steve knocked out a bunch of these mask things with the stores, he was getting between like ten and $30,000 a settlement when he would kick somebody out of a store. Well, guess what? That policy changed real quick throughout Florida. You know what happened? The insurance companies told the stores knock it off. We're not paying these claims. We're not paying these suits anymore, but you're not going to find them online anywhere. You're not going to find them on pacer because listen, Beth, when you do this right when you if your suit's written properly, if I go to court after I write my suit, I did something wrong. I screwed something up in my paperwork. There's no way I should be going to trial when I write my suit if i if I wrote my suit properly, we're done, okay. There's no way they're going to look at that and go, yeah, let's go argue with this guy in court. So if you can set your suit up properly so where they can't answer you, game's over. You you may never have to step in court. Steve never went to court for the $38.2 million. That happened with a settlement. They, they, they called up and said, hey, uh, we want to have some conversations. And a week later, they started at $800,000 and they settled at $38.2 million. Okay. And. Here's another thing. Don't let people tell you things can't be done because we've heard over and over again that death and taxes are the two permanent things, right? What what, what two things are in life that are permanent? Death and taxes. You want to bet? I know a lot of people are not paying taxes. And I know a lot of people made a lot of money from the people that were charging them taxes that shouldn't have been charging them taxes. So don't believe things people tell you just because you can't see something or find it. Don't think people are not having success in Canada. They may be, you just might not see it.
0: Yeah, people are pretty private about their legal and lawful matters, I, I've noticed. Um I was also going to ask you guys about cause of action because that really is the foundation of like you said, Alphonse, that you should be able to win long before you go to trial. It should all be handled in discovery. But if you don't have that clear cause of action, then you know it's it's kind of muddy. And in this situation that we've been in in the last two years, there's all kinds of muddy waters. It's not like, yeah, the dog uh, you know, destroyed my my garbage cans and it's just a clear tort and you go and charge them and, or whatever, right? A bad example. But how do you deal with it when public opinion is such a big part of it, when when judges have been influenced already by our public health, by our, you know, they, they just believe it or they are lying and pushing an agenda is, is one possibility. But I know it's it's not nearly as black and white as that. So can you talk about cause of action and how to really be sure about your case before you start?
2: Well, I was going to say from my perspective, like, and I'm going to use Huey, Dewey and Louie um, as an example. Uh, I'm not making this about the science. I'm not making this about the science at all, because, you know, here's the thing. Judges, that's not their wheelhouse. They don't know anything about science. And that's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. And honestly, it has nothing to do with with science. And it's irrelevant whether or not I have a mask exemption because I have a legal right to medical privacy. So even if I want to pursue this, you know, Then, if I make this about the science, then I'm going to have to make this about giving up my right to private, my private right to medical privacy, which I'm not going to do. I'm going to stick to the law. And for the case of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, they're police officers. As police officers, they're under federal jurisdiction. This is where I start to pay attention to jurisdiction because that's you need to understand what jurisdiction you're operating in. And so you know which laws and statutes you can use. Now, what people need to understand in Canada is the Canadian Bill of Rights. It actually Um, It is limited. It is limited to the construction of law when, you know, uh, in the federal jurisdiction. So law that's written in uh, provincial or municipal, it doesn't have to go through the litmus test of the Canadian Bill of Rights. But it's only limited in the construction of law, in the administration and in the enforcement of law, as long as the person is in federal jurisdiction, it applies, so it's not limited to just construction. What I'm saying is, is that the Canadian Bill of Rights applies whether you talk about the construction of law or the administration and enforcement of law. But when it when we're talking about the law itself on its own grounds, it that that law is the only thing that's tested against the Canadian Bill of Rights. But when you're talking about the acts of the actors, and I'm using legal terms here, which would be the agent, the agent is acting under federal jurisdiction, then that agent, that acting agent under federal jurisdiction must acknowledge, recognize, and protect your human rights and your fundamental freedoms with their actions. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie, police um, fall under federal jurisdiction. So it doesn't matter if they're municipal police, provincial police, federal police, um, it's, it's irrelevant. The moment you fall under federal jurisdiction, your acts under that federal jurisdiction must recognize and protect the human rights and fundamental freedoms. So I'm making this about pure law. Huey Dewey and Louie, they read my right, they violated my section 1A right, my right to life, liberty, security of person, enjoyment of property and, and right not to be deprived thereof except by due process of law. So the fact that they um liberty was uh um was uh, violated because they discriminately told me I couldn't go in. I could go in if I did something but if I otherwise I couldn't and by the way telling me to do something against my will is assault. And R versus you and Chuck um, clearly says that assault can be direct or indirect. And by the way, so does the Criminal Code of Canada. Criminal Code of Canada actually says assault can be direct or indirect. They don't have to physically touch me to assault me. The moment they violate my will to do as I please, that's causing no one else harm. That's an assault. They also um, put my life at risk because, and and I and I don't have to get into the science any more than to say, making me wear a mask Well, this, this study, this study, and this study says that wearing a mask can in fact jeopardize my health because of the bacteria and crap that you breathe, the the, the reduction of oxygen. And that's as far as I'll ever go with the science. And um, so life, liberty, and security of person. Again, the security of person is violated because uh, you've assaulted me, you've uttered threats, you've ex- you've attempted to extort me. Those are all offenses under the Criminal Code of Canada, contrary, and I won't even go into the numbers. I do have them, but I won't go into them. And then of course they violated my section 1b rights under the canadian bill of rights which is my right to equality before the law and protection of the law so here they are they're discriminating against me and because of the way it's written it's not a prescribed list of discrimination it's this equality before the law period it is a blank chart which means Um, it applies to everybody equally, which is the way it should be. The moment you start creating prescribed lists, great. Those people have additional rights that you don't have. And if a new category is created, well, they're out of luck until such time they get recognized. Okay. So lately they've added to that prescribed list in other legislation, uh, the, the transgender community. Okay. But before that they didn't have quote rights, but they did. They had them under the Canadian Bill of Rights, and now it's the un, the people who don't wear masks, they don't have rights. So the people who, um, who don't have an inoculation, <laughs> they don't have rights, and they're not on the prescribed list under the human rights. But they, well, actually, I, I, I slipped. They, they are actually under the Canadian human rights with, with respect to genetic discrimination, but I'm not going to go there today. Uh, but point is, is that there's a new category that exists that's not under the Human Rights Code, but it's under the Bill of Rights because everyone's under the Bill of Rights. Equality before the law, protection of the law, pure and simple, end of story. And they violated those, and that's where the tort stems from. So they, so the tort includes assault, uttering threats, extortion, um, uh, public incitement of hatred, and we actually did have people approach us going, well, you just put your mind, they got snarky with us that puts us at risk of harm. Um, And there's a few other things on there, but we're going for the max. We're going for the max that we can do in small claims court in Ontario. So, and I've got the video as evidence. I have that video being transcribed. um because i know a transcriptionist so the transcriptionist is is is, um transcribing that video i of course will use the criminal code of canada cite the appropriate sections and i will also use um case law to support the sections of the criminal code that i am citing that supports my tort claim against these police officers it's pure law not about science other than the fact that you put my life in harm's way and everything else is, you know, I'll go for um, case law to discuss discrimination and whatnot. And that's the way I'll, pers- and, and if I do it right and I make my statements and every statement is supported with evidence that they can't speak to, it's over.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems I see among pro se people is they fail to state a cause of action properly. So every cause of action has certain elements. So if you want to plead whatever, a contract breach, there are certain elements in a contract breach. If you miss one element, your whole cause goes to to, to hell. It's gone, done. So you might be right. You might have a contract breach, but you didn't plead it properly, okay? That's why courses like jurisdiction are very important where he gives you the most common causes, but he gives you individual elements of each one. He tells you what they are, and he tells you also defenses that you could use for those causes of action but that's the main thing is you've got to get at least one cause of action and then you've got to plead the proper elements for each cause and then you can have multiple causes in one action so you can go like ten different causes of action for one sick case so when I sue the county I'm going to probably have about uh, at least ten cause of action against the county uh, and I'll plead each individual element of those causes So. That's the main thing is a lot of people know something was done wrong and they file a suit, not understanding that they are not pleading the proper elements. I've seen suits thrown out of court, federal court. I just seen one from a member of my, my uh, telegram group. He's like, what did I do wrong? I said, I didn't see you plead a cause of action anywhere. Like, you, you, you put a bunch of stuff in there, but you didn't frame a cause of action out. and You didn't prove the elements. So this is the biggest flaw people have is you, you've got to understand what a cause of action is. You know, uh, that's that's what allows you to get into court. Think of a cause of action being, why why am I suing this person to go to court? And then, like Amanda said, I got to prove the elements of the, the cause. And uh, and I, then I could use case law to support whatever I'm pleading, you know, here. When I say, hey, listen, uh, you know, you, you can't trespass me because there, I had no criminal intent. And then I pull out American jurisprudence, the case law that says, If there's no criminal intent, the the statute can't criminalize a trespass. In other words, the statute can't say it's a trespass if there was no criminal intent. That's what they call malaprohibitive. It's crime on paper only. We have a lot of paper crimes going on where there's no victims, nobody's harmed, but because some pinheads in the legislation got together and wrote some laws down that if you don't follow the rules, you somehow committed a crime. That's nonsense. That's hooey. Okay. And that's what you have to learn how to attack when you go after stuff. So yeah, cause of action, very important.
0: And do you guys want to give some examples of the elements that would go in and, and something specific, if you don't mind, to the situation? I know, Amanda, what you were talking about with the, uh, the three Louis, Dewey and Huey or <laughs> whoever is, is very apropos. Here we are in a situation in Canada where they have lifted the restrictions in, or in Manitoba anyway because you know the house of cards was falling down they couldn't they couldn't continue on too many people in canada had risen that had inspired many people around the world to rise in a very organic uh not disorganized way, but not organized way, right? Like the, in, in, it, it literally came from the heart. And so next thing, you know, boom, boom, boom. Many Canadian provinces started to just say, oh, you know, what was that? We're just gonna let it go now. Now, so many crimes have been committed in the past two years, right? There it has been harm. There has been very severe hardship. And even for those of us who tend to rise above with hardship, I'm certainly one of those, you know it it leaves you with that thing like can we literally just move forward and what's the next thing on the heels that they're going to assault us with and and you know is is there such a crime that we can go to someone mentioned the international covenant of civil and political affairs which i think neither of you are that into from from what i understand please correct me if i'm wrong but you know is there some way to take them up on destroying society that you know like the the family alone, how many families got split between the, you know, I want to jab kids and I don't want to jab kids. And next thing you know, they're, they're in trouble that way. Like, is there, is there any, um, no, I think the bill of rights in a way comes closest because it it is the attack of those foundational God-given rights. But is there anything that you guys want to share based on that? You can just unmute yourself.
2: Uh, well, from my perspective and what, you know, as as you already know, Beth, what we're working on for stand for thee is we're starting to put together causes of actions to hold the public officials. So I mean, it, it, it's a it, and people need to understand it is a time consuming process. It's not something we can just pump out in the day, especially when we're we're also still working and we're trying to help so many people and we're doing our absolute best to try and respond to as many people as possible, as well as you know deal with like. Well, deal with their own things like Rebecca herself was in, in court last week. So she had to, she had to focus on that. Um, But with that in mind, you know, we, we are working right now on one that is against Omar Agrabah or whatever his name is. Um, And that is going to be set up as like a generic template lawsuit, which establishes the cause of action. And one of the, one of the things that we're, so, you know, the cause of action will be put into place and you just basically need to put in your appropriate information, but you will, the and, and again, we're still working through the kinks because it is our first one and the first always takes the longest. Um, and I think once we have the template set, we will then be able to maybe regenerate it for others. But um, one of the elements that's going to be expected from people who want to participate in this cause of action is they're going to have to write their own personal account of what happened to them, how have they been harmed? Did they lose their job and therefore their income and they were unable to properly pay their mortgage and or put food on their table for their kids? Were they um, confronted and made uh, to be put at, felt at risk because the public um, uh, verbally attacked them or worse, assaulted them or worse, Damage their property. God knows my car got egged. I've had people flip the bird at me. I've had people swear and yell at me. So that is putting me at harm's way, and that's going to be my personal account. And who's going? To, and I've got pictures of my car being egged, so I have evidence to support that. Um, maybe it's a case of although the medical community is not admitting to it, um, I had an inoculation and then I had a heart attack. Sure, it might have been a coincidence, but then again, it might have not have been. And I only did it under duress because if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have been able to keep my job. That's needle rape. That is that literally is what "R versus You and Chuck" is all about. It's about forcing someone against their will, putting them under duress, that they that they accept um, someone penetrating their body with a foreign object and potentially even leaving a foreign substance. And I'm being sort of because when, when what is rape? Okay, and how is that any different from a needle? You know, um, in the one instance, you might be left with a baby or an STD. In the other instance, you might be left with myocarditis. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, so there's, everyone's going to have to write their own personal account and actually express what has happened to them. They, was it a threat of uttering threats, but they, they were able to stand their ground, but it still harmed them and gave them undue stress and, 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 and mental fatigue or um, did they cave to the uttering threats to keep their job? And, and even if they aren't physically harmed, but it's, you know, this is where people need to write it out and make sure it's expressed properly. And then if they have evidence to support it, whether it be, you know, your, your uh, letter of dismissal (laughs) or something like that, then you, any kind of evidence you have to support what you're saying, Um, pictures of people Yelling at you, pictures of people egging your car, um, as I say, your dismissal or whatever else, um, or your or your letter that says you have to get this by such and such a date or you'll lose your job. That is evidence. That is evidence. So you use whatever evidence you can to support your statement because if you support a statement with evidence, it's no longer an opinion or belief; it becomes fact. So anything you can support mm-hmm. with with evidence. It becomes fact and fact, only fact can negate fact. And then if you put that fact under an affidavit, make it a true copy. Then only a true copy can negate a true copy when it's about the weight of evidence. And in this system, this is justice is supposed to be blind. And it's supposed to be the scales of justice, which is the weight of the evidence. And we are an evidentiary system both here and in the U.S. I
1: believe. Yeah, and one thing: stop protesting, and start selling people. Listen, if there's a thousand protesters out there, do you think they give a damn? But if there were a thousand lawsuits filed from them thousand people out there, you'd bring that municipality to a halt, okay? Because now they they got to give answers. <laughs> First of all, I don't know what they like here. It's like sixty days federal suit. They give they get they give an answer. Imagine a thousand people filing suits. Now they got to get law firms involved. They're, 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 can you imagine that the cost it would be to your local municipality if they had a thousand lawsuits filed what kind of cost it would be to, to pay their law firm to answer this stuff to litigate this stuff you would bring this stuff to a halt you would see change like that they would change it right away okay? because they couldn't go into court and fight this they couldn't afford to fight it but you don't even need a thousand you need five Beth you need about three to five people in a county to do that. Now, a thousand will cripple them. Five will get their attention and make make things change. Stop protesting. Start suing people. It's that simple. It really is. I'm going to add to that. Stop signing petitions. They're
2: about as useless. (laughs) Um, Now, having said that, at Stanford, we have a, a universal benefit income letter that we've asked people to take part of. Uh, It's not just, and we're asking it to be served in a very specific manner, either by snail mail or by fax, because if it's done in that format, they have to respond within three months as members of provincial parliament. But the purpose of the letter is it comes with a questionnaire and that questionnaire could potentially give us more evidence. And the questionnaire starts out with a nice juicy comment like, are you a member of the World Economic Forum? Are you a member or associated with the United Nations? And, you know, and asks, a whole bunch of really damaging questions. And again, the way it's being served is actually kind of falls under what Alphonse was saying before, although it's not a court procedure, but it is a request of productions. (laughs) It's a request of productions from our MPs. So that is something you can do that is productive while you wait for us to to put something together. And once we get it together, the intent is um, we're going to launch it we're going to teach how to do it, um, and we're going to ask everyone to get everything ready. We're going to probably do it over a one or two week period. Get it, get it prepared, get it filed, hold on to it, and we will all go at once. We're going to as soon as we get this all lined up and figured out, we're going to name a date, and so we'll have a we'll have a day we launch it and a day we serve it. And we're going to have like a two-week span. I, I'm guessing it will probably be about a two-week span so we can run several Zooms to answer questions and, and teach people how to fill it out and explain to them how it works. So, so the idea is if we get everyone all lined up and all our ducks in a row, then on serving date, poof, Omar Agrabah gets God knows how many lawsuits served all in one day. And he's got 20 days to respond. Now, I'm, I'm so excited of- you
0: have like 6 thousand people lined up for this is is that is am I getting that right
2: oh I don't know how many people we have lined uh, so mm-hmm. so we will the idea is we'll get this template ready and whether it's five Canadians that take part great we get as attention if it's a if it's a hundred Canadians even better if it's a thousand Canadians now we're getting to death by a thousand cuts and I'm all in <laughs> if it's ten that we have 38 just under 38 million Canadians in Canada. Admittedly, um, I, I think 20% of them are under the age of 18. Um, but having said that, someone under the age of 18, if they understand this, they have the right to contract as long as it's for their benefit. So they actually, I think, I have to double check, but I think they could actually file a suit as well if they've been harmed. Because let's say they weren't able to take part in sports. And in even worse, let's say they were competitive athletes and they had to give up their rep team because they refused to get an inoculation. And now their chances to go to um, a division one school or a Canadian university on a scholarship has greatly diminished because they didn't play a season. Well, that is damages to that, that 16 year old. So that again, I'm pretty certain because it's for their benefit, they can also file a suit. Why not? But I'd have to check the rules on that one. I'm, I am shooting a little bit from the hip on that just understanding what I do about law in Canada. Um, But uh, as I say, then they have, if we launch this all within sort of like a 24, 48 hour period, he's got to respond to all of them. And although the template will be fairly generic, the individual's statements of the, the statements of the individual, the additional statements of the individual, they won't be generic. He's going to have to speak to every one of those as well. Have fun, Omar.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was so heartening to hear you guys were planning this because it's, uh, you know, one of those things. It's just so tragic for not for me, but for for uh, the children that have never been anywhere and lived that they lived their life and how valuable that travel can really be for them, not just as entertainment, but as learning and um so this is this is something that i appreciate now all and, and and amanda you guys do a lot of hand holding and this has to be in my in my estimate this has to be uh a, you know the average person has to be able to do it Now, we're coming from it from a place where the vast majority of people have never studied the law. And I've invited a lot of people over time in the last couple of years to come and join. And, you know, if you look at the Canadian Court Procedure Study Group as any example, I think we've got 150 people in there. And it's kind of like, wow, 150 people. But for all of those, you know, 6,000 people that are... Are, are tuning into something about the law that's a, that's a very small number and so you know what can you guys share that that can make it more approachable make it easier alphonse you say like just go do it don't protest just file and you know how much knowledge does someone actually need to have and god bless dr graves i did share a link to his course that is my link by the way just so you know that is it is definitely an affiliate link that he says, Oh, yeah, in a weekend you can learn all this court procedure. Well, when I went into that course, it's like, no, <laughs> not from not from zero. You can't. Maybe if you're a lawyer, you can, or you know. So I'd love to hear your opinions on on that.
1: Yeah, he he's a bit optimistic. Okay. Yeah, it takes a little longer than a weekend, but but the cool thing about that course is it does take you from ground zero and it'll give you all the fundamentals that you need, basically. Uh and the, the great thing about like that that course is, people fear the law and the courts because they don't understand them. They, they don't teach us this stuff in in school. They don't want you to know that at school. That school is an indoctrination factory. They're there to move you in and teach you how to be a good little citizen and to move you out so that you just obey whatever they want you to to obey. So you don't you were never taught this stuff. Like how did I go through twelve years of school here and four years of college, and but I did have some I had some. A copyright class in college that I took myself, okay. But that's what that sort of sparked my interest in law too, because I was taught by an attorney, and it fascinated me because it made sense to me, because everything has a place. Like law is objective; it's not subjective, okay. So there are elements to things that have to be met. You don't go in front of a judge and goes, "Ah, oh, I think Alphonse was wrong on this. I'm just going to make the decision for the municipality." No, he's got to have a legal basis. He's got a it on the law and the facts to support that law. If he doesn't have that, that those elements, he can't rule against me, or I'm going to get him overturned, or I'm going to sue him in federal district court and clean him up too. So it, it seems like a lot. I would tell people take the jurisdictionary course. It's the think about it this way: a good attorney will cost you three or four hundred dollars, some even more. Okay, just for consultation. So for two hundred fifty bucks, you can learn pretty much all the fundamentals you need to know of law. So now you're not overwhelmed when you see something come in the mail and you go, hey, wait a minute, that's not proper service of process. Okay, process service was a knock on the door and give that to me. This doesn't look like a normal process to me. What's going on here? And you'll start to put the pieces together. It's only gonna take you, and I tell people, once you have one little small success, and I don't care how minor it is, it's an addictive drug, okay? Like you just go, oh, I can't believe I did that. We see it every day with the Telegram group. I don't care whether it's to the, the, the get the school to drop their mask mandates or they got a traffic ticket knocked out or one I just had with a guy where he was helping a woman. He helped her write the motions. And the judge actually said at the hearing, you have no shot to win with this. They walked out of court. A couple of days later, case dismissed. They dropped it well, wait a minute, I thought I couldn't win, you know? So that becomes an addiction. Now that the person who did that should go, hey, if I did that with the little knowledge I have, God knows if I put a little bit of time into this, what I could actually accomplish, you know, what I could do with this. And listen, if you don't want to invest the time in yourself, this is stuff, it's not about masks. It's not about the COVID crap. The skills you get with this, you're going to use this the rest of your life when you're to your last gasping breath. You're going to use this. Okay. If you're 90 years old and somebody's messing with you or they're messing with your relatives or your family, you're going to use this. So it's not like something that you're going to learn and you're just going to, it's tell you a short time thing when the COVID thing's over, I don't need it anymore. No, you're going to have these skills for the rest of your life. And my God, Imagine teaching your kid this. You got, got a son. Imagine teaching your kid this, how to defend yourself, how to file suits against people. My God, imagine if you had, I, I got Ryan. Remember Ryan we did the interview with, the Marine? He, he just had a baby. He's getting ready. As soon as that kid's ready, he's going to teach him law from the start. So by the time that kid's like 16, 18 years old, he's going to be able to sue you, okay? He'll be able to write his own suit. That's power, okay? That's when you have control of your life. That's freedom. Guys like Steve Emerson that I talk about. Steve's the most free man you'll ever meet in your life, okay? Steve pays no property taxes, no income taxes, and the code inspector won't come within a three-block radius of his house because they sue the code inspector as soon as he pops his head around, okay? Uh, That, to me, is freedom. And and like Steve said, your goal, and Manda's goal, is two things. Get them away from you and get them away from your property. That's your goal. and I'm sorry, Put the, stop watching the Frasier reruns and Dancing with the Stars uh, uh, TV show and, and, and stop playing fantasy football or whatever else you're doing and go, stop playing video games, stop wasting your time with video games and go learn this stuff because this is empowering. This is stuff you'll have for the rest of your life and once you know this stuff, they can never ever take it away from you. You know the power it is to knock a judge on his ass or an attorney on his ass? You know what that feels like? To knock a judge on his ass? I've done it. it it's like it, it, money can't buy it, okay? That's somebody who had a $250,000 education. God knows how many years of experience he's got over me. And I knocked him on his rear end with what? The basics. The fundamentals, I did it. I didn't need four years of law school and, and $300,000 education. I took the basics and I just executed them. And I'm not anything special. Uh, anyone can do what I do. You just got to start. You got to get involved, whether it's a traffic ticket, a parking citation. You just got to start doing some things yourself. Stop looking for magic documents. Stop going to websites that are promising you magic documents. Fill this out. Put your name in here. Like Amanda said, even with her stuff, you got to fill your own stuff in there. You got to put your own details in there. So you got to build that yourself. People are looking for magic documents, Beth, and that's not how life works. You've got to put some work into this. And mm-hmm. to me, once you understand this and once you get this, it actually becomes fun. Like she said, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, whatever. That becomes fun after a while because you look at these guys, you go, they have no idea what's coming their way now. <laughs> you know, Wait till they see what I got restored for them. That's fun. Okay. So your fear. Of court, yeah. Your, your fear of courts <laughs> and law, it's all based on your lack of knowledge. That's what fear is. It's just a lack of knowledge. Take that jurisdictionary course. Read your Canadian uh, Bill of Rights, okay? Read your laws. Read your case laws in Canada that were successful. What, what did the guy do to, to get that pleading? What did he file? Okay. Read your rules of civil procedure because your rules Where's of civil procedure won't only teach you how
2: to do it, but if you wanna do something like a request to admit, it'll tell you what form to use. So you use their form and then you cite their rule and you go bam, <laughs> against yep. <you. laughs>
0: Oh, uh, you're muted, Alphonse. I apologize.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the powerful stuff is what using the court, the uh, the court sightings is. I, I'm not saying it. I'm just telling you what these guys said. The guys that overrule you, that can overturn you, here's what they said. So now if you want to tell me that these rules don't apply in your court, we're going to have fun with that we go to the higher court. And now you can explain to everybody else how these court sightings don't apply in your little municipal court because that's not going to work for you, okay? Like Dr. Gray said, Alphonse, I know you get frustrated with these local municipal courts, because these are kangaroo courts, okay? These nothing but kangaroo courts. Eventually, just make your record, file your stuff, make your record, because eventually an adult's going to look at this. A judge who's uh, maybe a federal district court judge, he's not going to throw his career away for some idiot municipal court judge who's doing some dumb stuff. He's going to call him on the carpet, because. God forbid he don't want to look like an idiot doing what the, he knows that guy is not supposed to be doing what he's doing. So what'll happen is eventually you'll hit an adult, a judge will say, yeah, no, no, you, here I'm sending it back. You got to do it over again because you guys did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. So it just you just got to take the first step to do it. It's not that hard, believe it or not. I'm no legal genius. I'm sure Amanda doesn't would never say she's a legal genius. I just. When, when they charge me with something, I go read the statute. Let me go read this and pull it apart. And then I become an expert in that statute, okay? I know that statute better than their attorneys know it. And that's the fun of this. So, so look at it as that. It's a targeted environment. Don't try and think I got to learn all this law. No, no, no. Take a simple traffic ticket or something, see what they're charging you with, and go read the hell out of it. Go read it and read it and read it and read it and, read it and go, okay, here, I took the jurisdictionary course. I could try and motion this out on this, on that lack of personal jurisdiction, lack of subject matter jurisdiction, failure to state a cause of action. The traffic ticket, did I injure the cop? Who's the injured party in the traffic ticket? Who's injured? The people of Pennsylvania? (laughs) Because I'm one of the people, did I injure myself? (laughs) Who's the injured party here? So when you start doing that, it takes away the fear as far as, it just takes a little bit of basic knowledge and once you start doing this, I'm telling you, Beth, it'll start to become an addictive drug because you'll feel empowered. You, now you'll say, I don't have to worry about this person and that person messing with me. I'll knock them on their ass. Anybody messes with me, I will knock you on your ass. And that's a powerful thing to have inside you. Money can't buy that. Uh, there's no amount of money that could buy that, okay? And so to me, I, I think it's a no-brainer. Take this COVID stuff as a as a... A chance to get involved in this, because we're all fighting with everybody now, whether it's you got to have a vaccination at work or you can't come in the store without a mask. Take that as a springboard to learn this stuff. So that's my rant.
0: Good rant. That's excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I was actually watching the interview with you, Cal Washington and, uh, and, and Amanda. I don't know who is or pardon me, not Alphonse, but Amanda and Cal. And the, uh, I don't remember who was hosting, but they kept saying, well, there must be an easier way. What's the magic bullet. There must be an easier way. And it's like, just, no, there is just not anybody who comes in and look, oh, can I have the quick answer for this? You just like don't even know what to say half the time these days. Anything Amanda you'd like to add to what Alphonse was saying? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So, and from, I I agree with Alphonse, but I, I, I will sort of say it in a different way in the sense that first, first, I, I guess usually the easiest way is if something occurs in your life and it has, and 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 the law applies, whether, and it can be as simple as buying and selling a house, the law applies. In fact, that's a great one to work with. I love working with one, that one, because it teaches you about contract law, okay? And, and at the end of the day, the way I see it, law falls under two categories. You got criminal and you got civil, and under civil, you have two categories. You got contract and you got tort. That's it. So start working. I don't tackle the criminal code so much. I go in the criminal code a lot because I love using the criminal code of Canada against the the government agents. Um, but I will. I, I, I really like to study contract law, and there's like four elements to make a contract. But I'm not going to go into the four elements. But if you but if you were doing something, buying a car, buying a house, whatever, even paying your credit card, you know, stop and think what is the law behind this and ask questions, then go look for the answer. If they announce a new, um, if, if the news says, uh, and you listen to the news, I don't, but if, the, if you listen to the news and the news says, oh, as of September 22nd, you can't go into a restaurant. Don't just go by the news, call up the act of legislation, call up the bill. If it hasn't passed yet, read what it actually says read it so you understand it don't go by what the news is teaching us because they're teaching us what they want us to hear a really good one as an example for that right now is the one that DeSantis is passing in florida to limit the teachers from talking about you know any kind of gender issue and they're calling it the don't say gay bill or whatever and i actually think that's really ridiculous because as um there's a there's a really uh, smart gentleman and I want to I think he's called the Black Conservative. I think that's his ha- his uh, YouTube channel. And he was talking about that the other day because he was he was criticizing Raven Simone for coming on going, which sh- don't say straight, Bill. Well, actually, the bill because of equality. You can't talk about heterosexual any more than you can talk about homosexual any more than you can talk about gender identity under the bill. So the bill already addresses that, but Raymond Simone hasn't read the bill, so she's got all the talking points that you hear in the media and she just keeps repeating the talking points. So don't listen to the talking points. Look up the legislation yourself. And the thing you need to understand is when you start doing this work, you're starting to practice law and practice makes perfect. You have to practice it in order to understand it and utilize it. Now, I threw up uh, 366 and I saw that um, Beth was going to share that. So if you don't mind sharing that for a second, because uh, one of the things Alphonse was talking about with the tickets, and this is one that I always put into all my tickets, is in Canada, everyone commits forgery who makes a false document, knowing it to be false with intent, that it should anyway be used or acted on as genuine to the prejudice of anyone whether within Canada or not. I love this one because when I'm fighting a traffic ticket, they, they, they will always give you this bill and they'll act on it as genuine. and It's certainly not sworn. (laughs) And I call them out on it. I call them out on it every freaking time. And, 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 and as they say, they will say they're going to pursue them. And then they, of course, they always withdraw at the last moment. Now, here's the thing. And if you can just scroll down there, Beth, you're going to see to number five, they actually do have an exception under forgery written. And I want people to understand this because again, if you're going to go in, you're going to read this exception. Let me explain the exception to you. It says no person commits forgery by reason only that a person in good faith makes a false document at the request of a police force. The Canadian Forces or a department agency for the of the federal government or of a provincial government. LOL, isn't that funny? So they even know that these tickets are false, so they're making an exception. But guess what? If you do your statement of claims correctly and you call them out on it, the moment you call them out on it, they can no longer claim they're acting in good faith. Good faith is lost. Now you got them on forgery. And you can do the same thing with fraud.
0: There you go. Thank you for that. Do you want me to keep continue sharing, or was that uh, good for now? Yeah, okay, sounds good. That's great. I, I yeah. just
2: because that Avanz was saying a lot of great things about the things that you can pull in to help discredit not just the bill, but the the people who are pursuing the conviction in the courts. And if you're in Canada, that's just one of the many tidbits. And it's, uh, and say literally tidbits. And and obviously, the more you start digging, the more questions you ask, the more you start learning. The the more tools you're going to get in your arsenal. Um and one of the things that Rebecca Jane and I are constantly doing is we're constantly delving into the laws that are pertinent to what we are working on at that time. Because if you understand them and then you look at the rules and everything, you know how to apply the rules, that's how you know how to, you can you can literally turn the game against them because they've taught us to use the game in a certain way but oh my god, when you actually get into the, the rules of civil procedures, there's 266 pages. And and they tap maybe 5% in a, in a traffic court. So the rest is us for ours to use against them.
1: <laughs> so real there quick, you know. on citations, that, with that, how a citation works. Uh, uh, listen, you the, your government's set, a, set up very similar to ours. You have a legislative branch, you have an executive branch, and you have a judicial branch. Okay? So that cop, he's a member of the executive branch. So he's floating around. He can only execute orders. He's got a warrant for somebody's arrest. He can go pick them up. Okay, or if he sees you commit a crime, an actual crime, you you hit a car and you took off, he can pursue you. Okay, that's uh, basically that's the two ways he can get you: is it on a warrant or probable cause? He's seen you commit a crime. So if he stops you for a traffic ticket, isn't he making legal determinations about you? Isn't he determining that he's got a jurisdiction over you, and B the traffic code applies to you, and C that you somehow violated this traffic code. Well, over here, one of the things they try and hide from people, and uh, I don't know if Canada's the same way, you have a right to what they call an examining trial over here. So that cop, remember now, he's not qualified to make a decision that he had jurisdiction or that the traffic code applied to me. So if he wants to arrest me, I could demand to be brought before a magistrate, which is a judge, and I need the judge to determine if there's probable cause because the cop's not qualified to make that decision. He can't make a decision on a probable cause. He's a member of the executive branch, he can only execute. He's not a judge. He can't make judicial determinations. So I get to go before a magistrate and say, "Hey, uh, state the probable cause here. How did this man have jurisdiction over me? And what evidence does he have that the traffic code applies to me?" So these are other things you could also put in your your uh, when you when you when you're trying to knock out citations. You put in your motions to dismiss that, "Hey, Mister so is making out on the road, making legal determinations. He made determination he had jurisdiction over me." that the, the transportation code applied to me and you start rattling this stuff down there. And when, listen, they know what they're, they know what they're doing's fraud. That the, the judges, it's a, it's a meat factory. They're, they're marching cattle through and just slaughtering them basically. So they're so, they make so much money off this stuff. So if you were, you can beat the monkey like me, Amanda or me, or, you know, you're that monkey that's going to give them a problem. A lot of times they'll say, ah, leave that monkey alone. That monkey's too much trouble. We got 99.9% of the other monkeys we could deal with. So you always want to be that one monkey. That's the problem. And if you could file paperwork that has some weight behind it and saying, hey, this is forgery. You know, hey, can I sit there and write, take a tablet and just write on it and create a security out of it? Make money? But so I'm just going to take a tablet and say, Beth Martins did this. $150. <laughs> Look, I made $150 for the municipality, Hey, I can't do that. So how's that a, How's that cop able to do that? Isn't he forging securities, basically? Forging documents, right? <laughs> hey, I'm going to take this piece of paper. I'm going to say Beth Martins did this, $150. Yep. Well, you start calling that out. Like she said, isn't that forgery? Sure looks like forgery to me. Looks like execution of documents by deception. Deceptive and frauds on business practices. barratry. Uh, you know uh, theft it, it's it's attempted theft you start rolling these in emotions you're going to hit that one judge it's going to say yeah let that monkey go you always want to be that monkey so that's your goal to be the knowledgeable monkey you know <laughs> to be that 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 one out of a thousand monkey that sort of understands what's going on so that they're going to say just leave her alone she's she's a pain in the ass leave her alone that that's your goal
0: There you go. Thanks for that, Alphonse. And uh, Indomitable said, good luck with that in Canada. Do you have any idea why, Amanda?
2: I'm noticing a few comments here, and I'm just sort of, uh, they also said civil procedures for chumps. And, you know, here's the thing. If Indomitable wants to think that, they're certainly welcome to think that. But uh, But what we do know what's going on in Canada right now is that nobody is being held to account you if you want to file a, a police report for an actual crime that has been committed by um, a public official, they don't do anything about it. Uh, so why would you think um, this is not something that's been done but it's something that is perfectly within our um, our ability to do and and we don't need anybody's permission to do it. So why would you throw the baby without, throw the baby out without the bathwater without even giving it a try? And if you have that much if you lack that much faith in that, you know what? you're on the wrong channel. <laughs> this is for people who who want to maintain their rights and they want to assert their rights and they want to hold people to account. We have that power still in Canada. We just need to identify where that power is, and that power is in our small claims court, which I'm sorry, Adominable, it is civil. And why not? Why not take advantage of it? And if you if you are going to be negative about it, that's fine. You go along. <laughs> go somewhere else, um, because it, it doesn't uh, it. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and then I also saw another comment here. This is not a Babylonian satanic law system, folks. It, it isn't. The legal system was essentially set up for the people. Um, you know, once by, once upon a time, it used to be the people who would pay the judge. Uh, and if you do it right, you never actually have to go before a court. If you do it right, um, it doesn't mean that you don't have to show it. Like, doesn't mean that they won't take it to the very last step and then withdraw in the 11th hour, which means you still have to show up to court. But you have to and you have to be prepared for that. And you even have to be prepared to do the argument. But at the end of the day, it is our system. It's entrusted to the government to take care of it. Have they corrupted it? 100% can we take it back if you use the legal instruments the way they can and should be used and you do it properly 100 percent we can get our courts back first we get our courts back okay and we and we use them to empower ourselves and we do that by holding the elected the the criminal elected officials accountable um and then when the and and then when they start to see that we're starting to hold uh, elected officials accountable We will, um, from there, the the other ones, they're either going to smarten up and fly straight and start taking part in the accountability process, or they're going to exit the system as fast as possible and try and duck and cover, okay? But the point is, is that what, what was the first thing that happened when they brought in the ROA in Ontario? Any restaurant that stayed open, they immediately made a big scene sent out SWAT teams or whatever. They they closed them all down. They put it all over the media. They scared the crap out of everybody. And as a result, everybody went and sat down and went, okay, I'll behave. We're going to do the same thing to them. Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, a single lawsuit is not necessarily going to intimidate me. Five lawsuits, okay, that might intimidate me unless I got super deep pockets. A thousand lawsuits, okay, now we're talking. What if it's 10,000 there's 38 million Canadians. what if there's 10,000 because we are talking federal politics here and if the minister um, uh, if a uh, cabinet minister has committed a crime and you have been affected by the crime that he's committed and you can you can show the objectively and prove that the crime has been committed and harm has come to you and you can prove your tort you can prove the cause then you win you win. Um and that's that's the point so that's 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 the aim that we're going for here and we're and we're actually taking it a step further because we're not going after the politician we're going after the human person acting as the politician we're mm-hmm. going after him personally
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to ask you guys both a question on that I, I can't believe how fast this time has gone by the way we're we're down to uh probably twelve minutes because i'm I'm scheduled but maybe we could do this again and uh so you know if it turns into that death of a thousand cuts and you really truly do corner them it's not just five or ten people going after omar or whatever situation it is or or like really bringing down the courts they they are a kind of house of cards, right there's been a lot of crimes over a lot of time the, the crimes do compound on top of each other this, this is a fact I'm studying a lot and, and we're going to actually be doing a stream pretty soon. I won't give away too, too much, but like, it's, it's a wow to see how the manipulation has happened over time. This is not conspiracy bullshit. I'm, you know, just, just want to say it's absolutely documented how they don't want, and I'm not going to go into it cause it's a big subject, but you know, first of all, when you, when you, when you uh, corner a predator, it can be very dangerous. Right. Because if they have no way to get out, no way to bring remedy, no way to come into dignity, continue their lives, keep their condos, whatever, whatever the deal is, then, you know, we've seen them move the goalposts continuously over the last couple of years. Every time people kind of get onto a certain thing, what, what do you guys predict? Now, you know, if you if you just f- feel into the future around that, if if the people really, truly rise, they learn court procedure, they hold their officials accountable, accountable. What do you think they're gonna do? What do, you, do you think they're they're just they're gonna and I don't know either, so I'm I am do I'm not trying to say that I know what's gonna happen, but do you think they're gonna go like oh okay game over just go or you know
1: I'll well, let you guys I, go. I look at it this way. I, I call it the where I started this stuff the 143 hour traffic ticket nightmare. Okay, so now I now I get the 143 hour traffic ticket for expired registration registration. Great. Okay, that's a cop. Okay, I know they're not gonna do nothing to the cop. But it goes on his record. OK, I know that. And it's probably going to affect their insurance rate, the uh, the police department. Then if I have the prosecutor that's filing this crap against me or if it's a local judge because they do the uh, local, uh, uh, these local magisterial courts. If the letter comes from a judge and there's no prosecutor, well, that's going to get him a judicial complaint right off the bat. OK, now I got the judge lined up with a judicial complaint. He's not going to like that. That's going to send his insurance rates up. I don't have to do any bond information, Beth. I don't need to go know who, who's got his bond, what his bond number is. That's all crap that the that, that people for Bonds for the Wind do. You don't need to do any of that research. I just need to know when I file that judicial complaint against him, his insurance policy, I know the way his policy works. He's got to notify his uh, insurance company that he had a judicial complaint filed against him. Why? Because that usually leads to a lawsuit. When somebody's filing judicial complaints against you, probably going to lead to a lawsuit. His law firm wants to know about it. Now I got him in check. Now- so I
0: totally got it. I totally got it, Alphonse, that, that you've got them, right? Like you've got them. You've got the goods. If everybody was like you and Amanda, we wouldn't, it, we would utterly change the situation. So I'm just looking for some prediction that when, I don't want to say if, but when this happens and and the, and the public really educates themselves, takes action, well, how do you, you think they are going it? to respond? Like what, How is that pilot- going to change society? Go ahead.
1: No, listen, you, you've got to stop with the, I'm going to change society in one big fell swoop. No, it but it will out.
0: change society. See, I'm not talking about our intention. I'm just saying, if this were to happen and you extrapolate in your imagination, yeah, you how would things you look? Got it, it,
1: you've got to do it one man, one woman at a time, one city at a time, one town at a time, one county at a time. you got okay, to do this it is, one, person, one individual this a, at a time.
0: Yeah. It's a different, if it, it's a different question, just like, you know, using, using imagination, extrapolating to a much more empowered society, much more educated, we educate our kids in kindergarten on court procedure. Uh, you know, torts are not just let go. And how would that influence? Do you I don't think, the
1: think you're going gonna- to see the schools do that. Okay. Just like, I don't think you're going to see the schools do that. But if there were more than just me doing this around here or Amanda doing it where she's at, if there were five or 10 of me here doing this, Guess what happened when there was a next traffic stop and somebody starts sending paperwork and it looked an awful lot like mine or Amanda's? They're not going to pursue it. You know, I'm going to go, oh, I know this playbook. This is going to turn into a judicial complaint. This going to be state criminal complaints. And then I'm going to get sued. Now I got to go get an attorney on retainer for a $143 traffic ticket. So just five or 10 people doing this in a county will change the, the, the direction of that county because The next time somebody gets a ticket and they they proceed the way you're proceeding, they're going to know where this is going. They're going to leave you alone. And if more people do it on top of that, they'll stop doing this crap and start actually following the law, what they're doing. Because right now, to me, it's nothing but rape and pillaging. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, to me, traffic stops are. you know, we we talk about Germany. Oh, my God, the Germans, man, uh, they stop people. Where's your papers? Watch well, a traffic stop a couple thousand times a day around here, okay? They pull you off the road. Where's your papers? No different than what they did in Germany, really, when you look at it. So until you have five or ten or a million commanders that are basically filing stuff against these people, that's the only way you can extrapolate it is if, if you got it, you got to build somewhere where if I can get five or ten people here to do it, and then they can get five or ten people that they know to do it. So suddenly we have fifty to hundred people, or hundred to two hundred people in the county doing this, well now attitudes have to change at the county because number one, they can't afford the cost, Beth. It's it's a it's a not not whether it's out of the goodness or their heart that they want to change. It's that they're gonna have to change. Because financially they're not gonna be able to handle it. If a man that like man is talking about setting that thing up, they're gonna go sue that guy and she gets a thousand people to sue him. Can you imagine a legal cost? That that's going to create, that's going to be a nightmare for the county's going to pick that up, or whoever whoever he works for is going to pick that up. That's a nightmare for them. Okay, who'd pick that up, Amanda? Would that would that be federal or provincial?
2: Well, here's the thing. So the person that we want to sue, Alphonse, he's a cabinet minister in the federal government of Canada, and the thing that we're going after is uh, his travel restrictions because they've caused harm to every to, to, to people, um, across Canada. So here's the thing, because it's federal, if I tried to board a train and I'm denied, uh, access to a train because I don't have an inoculation, well, I've just been harmed because now I can't go visit my, my dying mother or my dying grandmother or whatever. Poof, I have a harm against Omar. I don't have to go to Ottawa to file that harm. I can file it in my hometown or wherever I was denied the access to the train. So we're going, we're holding because of the laws that have been created and the way they're being enforced and the fact that enforcement is violating the Criminal Code of Canada, we're using that as the tort to create the causality to sue the actual federal transport minister of Canada. And but that's here's where so- you're going to
1: get your change. Here's where you're going to get your change. Put a number on that. And if you get you get a lot of people to do that, 500,000 people to put a big number on that. That his insurance policy is not going to cover that, okay? It's gonna dwarf whatever his coverage is. So now he's yeah. got a problem. Say mostly around here, I'd say the average judge probably has about a million-dollar bond, okay? So imagine if I had a thousand people filing, I don't know, uh five million dollar claim against that judge, okay? <laughs> well, obviously his bond's not gonna cover that. That's what puts pressure on that minister or that judge that oh hell. I'm being sued in my individual capacity, right? You said you're gonna sue him in his individual capacity. So now he's got a problem. He That number is too big for him to handle. Now he's got a problem. He either, he's, he's got to resign, okay? Or uh, he's got to do an about face and, and he's got a lot of problems. If you can organize enough people, this is how you hurt their bonds and their insurance. You don't need their bond number and all that crap. You just need enough people to bang them like this with suits so that the insurance company looks at this and goes oh my god we, we, we're not covering this you're being sued for 50 million dollars you only got a million dollar coverage here guess what we got to do with your insurance beth we're going to have to drop you now he can't be a minister no more now his career's ended okay so now the next guy that comes up to take that minister's position you think he understands what happened to the previous guy Maybe he's going to be in line a little more now because he just seen what happened to the other guy. This is how you invoke change basically is going after their insurance, but you do it in lawsuits. You do it with suits so that somebody's got to look at that Beth and go, who's going to pay the bill for that? The insurance company. But they're going to look and go, wait a minute, dude, you're getting sued by a thousand people. They're suing you. They're suing you for $20 million. You've only got a million dollars of coverage. You better knock it off, number one. Uh, We're going to jack your rates up or we're going to drop you. Now you can't be a minister. This is how you affect change. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I was just yeah. curious. It's, it
0: is a different question. I don't know if, if Amanda, you want to uh, go on that. I probably have 10 more minutes at the very most now. But, uh, you know, it, I just the extrapolation, some people are going, okay, yeah, sure, we take the system down here. Now, may, maybe you're not necessarily to be fair, you're not saying that you, the, the system to you isn't the enemy, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, but what what would that what much more humble system look like, right? Our it, it's, if you if you compare it to nature, which we are absolutely absolutely always in regardless we've got a severe uh out of balance predator class severely right so it's behemoth The in nature the the natural balance of of predator class they're much much smaller right and and there's all kinds of implications so i'm just i was just curious about what that will look like. Will it, you know, first of all, will it humble them or will they call in the UN, right? Like as soon as they can't have federal provincial jurisdiction, are they going to start moving to more international kind of jurisdiction? And, you know, so that's that's generally the, the line of thinking that people go to. Now, that would never, in my mind, be reason not to do this, not to take action. That would be a cop-out or an excuse or coming up with a, a reason that you're justifying your fears maybe. But uh, I'm just, I'm just curious, like, how, how is, how is this going to play out? And, and it's always more powerful if you move forward with a vision, that in addition to like, yeah, we're going to get them where it hurts. That That's good. And and I appreciate you, you guys for that a lot, because I don't have as much of that in my in myself. But you know, there's, I'm just thinking about our future. (laughs) How are things things going to to look and, and play out? So if there's anything more on that, if not, if I'm beating a dead horse, no problem. And uh, if there's other things that you guys want to finish off with jurisdiction, I know there might be a little bit of something there in terms of the way that you guys are using that. I've heard some discussions in the Canadian Court Procedure Group, which, by the way, if you're a Canadian and you're interested in studying law law procedure, court procedure, pardon me, there is a link in the show notes about how to join that group and be part of the discussion that goes on. I think we'll actually end up with a a live chat tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. But uh, anything that we haven't covered today, anything you want to say about what I was saying or um, you know, how do people take you up? I know there's several comments came forward that uh, they're wanting to meet you guys and work with you.
2: OK, so so just for clarification for any of the Canadians that are watching, we're not looking to do a class action lawsuit in superior court. We're not looking to do huge lawsuits in a superior court. They have really and I'm not going to lie to you, they've mucked with the rules for superior court in Canada. Okay. So keeping that in mind where they haven't mucked with the rules is the the small claims court. And Alphonse was saying, you know, most people only have a $1 million liability policy. So let me just put some numbers in perspective for you. If you have 100 people in Ontario at $35,000 a piece, file 100 individual lawsuits against the Minister of Transport, that is $3.5 million. Boom. Done. That's only 100 people. Now, if you add a zero, that's thirty-five million. If you add another zero, that's three hundred and fifty million. Do you see where this is going, folks? It you don't need to go to superior court. And if you put the case, if we put the case together correctly, and we can and we can prove the cause, and you know, here's your claim, here's your invoice, here's your claim, here's the evidence to support the claim, yada yada yada. You bind it under uh, an affidavit um when i learned about this re- request to admit not only do they have to to reply within 20 days why not simultaneously file the request to admit admit the facts admit the affidavit or rebut it but you better rebut it in kind as a true copy under affidavit because if you don't then you can take your request to admit, you can take your, your claim, and even if they give you a pathetic little counterclaim, you can go for a default judgment. It is in the rules of procedure for small claims court. It doesn't mean you ever have to go to court and you don't it doesn't mean it's gonna take two years. You could possibly have this done in six
0: months. Bam. Thank you. I'm paying so me they my change. money. Thank you. So they changed the rules in Superior Court. Is there any reason they wouldn't change the rules in Small Claims Court if they start to see and hear that, oh, they're coming for us that way, now we'll just rejig things? Keep in mind,
2: though, Beth, if we start holding the politicians accountable, everyone's going to start watching.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And like the restaurant that got shut down for, you know, not, uh, not um, enforcing a Vax Pass, okay, All it takes is to scare is to is one example to scare everyone else into compliance. And we're looking to scare everyone else in compliance. It doesn't mean we're going to back off with just one example. But the intent is to scare them all into compliance. Do we need a government as big as we do? Absolutely not. Do they need to give us as many benefits as they do? Absolutely not. The purpose of government, my vision, is simply to manage the infrastructure. All right. Let us know what the rules are. And manage the infrastructure and if and if i break a rule and that rule affects you beth then you and i can take it up you and it's you know and and without creeping people out this canada is a nation founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of god and if you understand this those principles are in the bible so if i offend, if i do something wrong to you beth you're going to come to me and if i don't listen you're going to come to me with a bunch of witnesses. And if I still don't listen, then you might need to take it before a court. But the point is, is you're going to do your best to resolve the issue you have with me. And that's what people need to start doing. We need to stop looking to the government to be mommy and daddy. We need to start taking responsibility for ourselves and our own actions. And in doing so, we I think we'll have a greater understanding that we have a duty of care to our fellow, our fellow neighbors. We have uh, we we can do no harm to our neighbors. That's a duty of care. And I think if we are forced to start taking back more responsibility upon ourselves, we will have more consideration for our neighbors.
1: Yeah, this whole COVID thing, I think, is you know, a blessing in a way because it's gotten people involved in law that would never have been involved in law because... Now it's directly affecting their lives, whether it's they can't work because they're not vaccinated or they don't want to be tested or they can't shop somewhere because they're not wearing a mask. So now people, that seems like the only way you get people involved is when they're directly affected in some way. And this thing is directly affected just about everybody. So now we're going to start separating the wheat from the chaff to find out who's who. In other words, uh, listen, if you just want to be a good little monkey and go along and follow them, go for it. But you're going to have these people that will now section off. And listen, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're there to, we try and help as much as we can. You know, we can't do your paperwork for you to a certain, I mean, early on, I was able to help people with a lot of that stuff. It's beyond, can't do it anymore. The numbers are just too big. I get a couple hundred emails a day. I can't respond to that. I can't keep up with it. So, but we'll put you on the right path. We'll tell you, like, here's how Steve helps people, Beth. Steve's gotten over three dozen properties off the property tax rolls throughout the country. Stuff that people said couldn't be done. Well, he not only did it, he got million dollar settlements, huge million dollar settlements. But here's how he helps somebody. When they come to him, he says, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to read this. I need you to study this. I need you to do this. And he'll let them disqualify themselves. Because in a couple of weeks, if they're off doing something else and they're not reading or not studying this stuff. Well, then guess what? Steve's not going to put the time in to help them because, my God, if you're not willing to help yourself, if you're not more interested in your own problems, somebody else isn't going to be more interested in your problem to help you. So you got to do it yourself. So there's no more excuses that, well, I don't know what to do. It's too complicated. You got all kinds of resources out there now to to sort of get your foot in the door. You can go to Amanda's website. You can go to my Telegram group. You go take the jurisdictionary course. You can now start taking that first step to do this stuff. And Stop being overwhelmed and thinking, i I'm got to change the world. i got to do this. No, you change one person at a time. First you do you, then you help your family, then you help your friends, then you help your neighbors, okay? And you just keep pushing that and spreading that. And that's the only way we're going to fix this because we fall asleep too long on our rights. We let these people that were your public servants become your masters. Listen, God was created for one reason, to protect individual rights. That's the only reason man created government to protect individual rights well they've now flipped it on its head they're now your bosses your masters and you're now their servants mm-hmm. unless you know how to operate within the courts and how to hold them accountable mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you got to start doing this yourself you got to like man said just take the first step go do it if you're in Canada go get involved with her thing there where they're going to go sue. The, whatever, ring the bell and everybody sues, the, sues this guy on that bell. That's going to be a nightmare for that guy when, mm-hmm. when he gets, you know, 100, 200, 500 servings of a lawsuit. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. guess yeah. what? Like you said, word's going to spread around the other politicians. Did you see what happened to so-and-so? His insurance company dropped him. There were $30 million of lawsuits there. They dropped him. Now you think they're starting to wait for their job? Them them. Why can't they be next? Whoever that is, why can't they be next? Mm-hmm. Why can't 500 or thousand people gang up on that guy and go sue him? Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. he's going to lose his job. His insurance company will say, you know what? We can't cover you. You can't cover this. That's the only way you're going to fix this, Beth. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear. you.
1: And folks, don't let it overwhelm you. Baby steps.
2: Okay. You don't have to look at the big picture, break it down into baby steps. If you take mm-hmm. on one issue, ask questions, follow up on that issue figure out how to handle that one issue okay don't try and learn everything at once just focus on what you need to learn to handle that one issue okay and don't just and do the reading do the writing and even better start talking about it with your friends and family because the more you work the problem the more you work the the information that you're looking up, the more you're going to understand it, and the and the more you understand it, the more you're going to be able to explain it. Because if the push ever comes to shove, and you do have to argue in court, you want to have that knowledge cemented here, and you're only going to cement it here by working it, working it, working it. Because practice makes perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the doing. I just trained uh, next round of coaches and I've got to the end of the seven month training. It's like, okay, time to begin. (laughs) You know, you think seven months they've been no, no, now it's time to go and actually do this and learn and make all the mistakes and have all that pain and let it teach you as you move forward. It's just the way it goes. This is no different. So I thank you guys so much for coming on. This is a, a really exciting conversation for me to see this, this level of collaboration. And uh, I think it, your your uh, work has been very well appreciated from the audience. Thanks to everyone who joined us live today and uh, welcome to everyone who's gonna hear the recording as well. So Amanda, uh, people can find you at standforthee.com. Is that how you'd like, uh, if, if they want to do that? And if I can, I don't I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Amanda has been participating in the Canadian Court Procedure Group. So you might find her on there, be able to ask a question. Question. Alphonse, your telegram is off the charts. I just noticed it's fourteen thousand plus people already. A lot of people helping each other in that group. A lot of Canadians. If uh, if you feel like you want to send them over to Amanda <clears throat> or to our group, then you're most welcome to do that. And I hope there's continued collaboration in the future that uh, that you guys can get together. And you know, it, 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 does everyone feel clear what the difference is between Canada and the U.S. Too? If I had one major objective for this interview. I'll take silence as acquiescence. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, think there's a lot, I think there's more similarities
1: than there actually is differences, to tell you the truth.
0: Absolutely, 100%. It's, yeah. just, it's just little tweaks about the Constitution. To me, that's, that's it, right? And, and we have such a, uh, excuse my language, fucked with Constitution because of that charter in 1983. They knew that the Bill of Rights was dangerous to them. They knew that. That you could, so they came and promoted all my life. I've heard nothing except about the charter, and it it, it really I, I didn't even know about the Canadian Bill of Rights. I'd maybe heard of it, thought, oh, does that actually still apply? Well, lo and behold, that is that is our ace in the hole here. So, that's so awesome. just, just
2: just for just for fun, I was actually in court last week um, acting as an agent for someone close to me. That's the only reason why I was doing it because they were someone close to me, and I'm not even going to state the relationship for for privacy. And while we were in the court, um, I had actually filed a motion uh, to dismiss and I had it all written out and I actually got it served within the rules. Uh, and when we got there, they went, oh, well, this motion wasn't filed properly as well. Just a moment. Here's the proof of service. Here's the proof of service. Everyone got it. Here's all the proof of services. And they said, well, no, except that. Uh, yeah, sure. We got it. But. um, this hearing was not meant for a motion. And I said, I don't care what it was meant for. It was the date that was given to me because it just happened to be the next available date because we were already scheduled on this date and now we want to present the motion. And and then they said, well, they know you, you're supposed to have a specified date for a motion. I said, really? Because my experience in this very municipal court has taught me that "Mm, the prosecution has definitely filed motions for our next hearing date and had to try and tried to have them presented um and i said so that doesn't wash because it actually goes against the rules of procedure <laughs> so don't tell me i can't hear the motion oh well the your affidavit has uh, well over i have two affidavits in front of me with over 20 pages each and then i've got this motion which is another 10 pages and blah 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 there's and i only just got that this is the gist of the piece i only just got this information in my hands this morning And, um, and he says, I haven't had a chance to review it even. And I said, well, again, not my problem, because it's been in the court's possession for several months now that those two affidavits. So it's not my problem that you just decided to pick them up this morning. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and then he says, well, what exactly is this motion about? So I proceed to inform him about how the bylaw officer um, ignored the fact that there were witnesses, um, that the defendant had witnesses. Uh, the bylaw officer um, refused to ask the or failed to ask the witness or sorry, the defendant's side of the story, the bylaw officer. And and I said, not only that, it can all be proven because this was all uh, this was all shared with the bylaw officer by email. So we can prove that he got it because he even responded to the email. So we know he got the email and he knows all this evidence is is missing, hence he's committed forgery because he completely ignored half the case and then presented his docu- his will say statement as true. And the, and the judge is like, well, if you think your charter rights have been violated, I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, but this is my court as much as it is your court. And I said, I did not invoke the charter here. And I'm not, and, and I said, you're not allowed to either. And he says, this is my court. And I said, well, <laughs> we won't have that debate today, but I don't necessarily agree. He says, and I'm just going under the fact that under the courts of justice act if you have an argument under the charter i said once again i do not have an argument under the charter i am not invoking the charter and the courts of justice act the charter is only mentioned once and and i do clearly understand that it requires us the citizen to invoke it and that one that one word is that word is only mentioned once and it's how the citizen is supposed to invoke it and here's the here's the catch i said you i said only we can invoke it. And if we don't invoke it, you can't even introduce it into this court because it has nothing to do with this pro- this hearing. So I'm sorry. Don't do it again because you don't have our person. You don't have our, com- our consent to talk about it because we're not using it. I said. Furthermore, this hearing falls under section 118 of the Criminal Code of Canada. All judicial proceedings are federal jurisdiction and and uh, justice of the peace. Um, are defined as peace officers and they fall under section 25 of the criminal code of canada so you sir happen to be also under federal jurisdiction because that's where you get your vicarious liability and he interrupts me at that point he says you don't need to tell me the law i know what the law is (laughs) what did he not say beth he didn't say i was wrong he said that's it educate him on the law he knew what the law was
1: i nailed him
0: (laughs) You did. You did. Oh my gosh. Look at the fire coming out of that woman. I love it. (laughs) So good. Oh man, I'm sorry. We have to shut it down. It feels like we're cutting it short, but, uh, I'm glad that you two have met and now maybe can partner up in some ways or at least know of each other. And then, uh, you know, we're always moving forward. Thank you so much, everyone for joining us today. It's been a total pleasure really enjoyed myself a lot. And uh, let's see if there's a part two in the future. Maybe we can come up with some subjects that are really specific again, for another stream. And uh, I think that's about all for today.
1: I will see you guys soon.
0: Lots of love, everybody. (laughs) Bye for now.